here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crage. <laughs> Give me a name. Like Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In, like in the big spot. Who delivers better than this guy? Just stop yelling at me. I agree. All right, welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Craig, alongside, as always, thinking of banter himself, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, how's it going? I think we're going to call you uh, uh, Richie two times from now on. You, <laughs> I've, I've honestly, I think I've, 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 like, the times that I've messed up saying the beginning of the show, I, I don't know if I've ever done that. You know, like, I, I never stumble over, like, your name, and I just did it right there. No, very, no uh, one's ever going to hear that, of course, but... No, and they don't know what you're talking about, but yeah, no, I screwed up in, in our intro, but usually, usually I got it. Like, usually, we, that's never the problem. Like, the rest of the show's an abortion after that, but the intro, we always got. We're always pretty good on that, and this playful banter always works uh, pretty well. I do have to ask you this, because we did not talk about it off-air, uh, but when we got on the call, I could hear a noise that sounded like your, your washing machine or dryer um, in the background. I have to... Is there a hot date coming? Is there a reason the jeans were in the dryer, or what's going on? Well, I mean, first of all, yes, I was drying clothes. Um, they were jeans. I could hear, I could hear the, the dinging of the dryer. Because if you're just drying, like, underwear and socks, you don't get the same ding. So what was in there? Was it a jacket? Possibly a Mack Weldon hoodie? This is weird because... No, it's not weird. No, first, no. first of all, the laundry room slash pantry is on <laughs> the opposite side of the estate. I don't know how you were able to hear that. The complex, the, the Lanza complex in College Station, Texas. Yes, on the opposite side of the estate. I don't know how you were able to able to even hear the dryer going. Not, well, I'm not old like you. I still have good hearing. So Not only did you hear the dryer going, now you're pinpointing items that are in the dryer. Well, was I wrong or right? There's a collection of items in the dryer. There's a little bit of everything. There's, a, okay. uh, there's pants. There's, I knew that. There's, yeah. uh, I, could hear, I could hear the buttons on the uh, on the side of the dryer, but okay, go on. There's my uh, designer underwear, which I, which by the way, I always buy one size too small. We can get into the reasons if you want, but I don't. I, it's a, it's a little, <laughs> I don't think I want to. It's, no, it's a little early. I would prefer that. not. That's to. A, yeah, that's a, let's. That's a third hour topic. I yeah, I, I, I. Well, I mean, we are going to talk about underwear here in a moment, but uh, yeah, don't bring that up, please. If, um, if at all. But yeah, I mean, but. there's there's a little bit of everything in the dryer. This is fucking weird that you're pinpointing specific items that you thought you heard tumbling in the dryer. That's a little <laughs> weird. I got to be honest. Well, is it cold in, in, in Texas right now? Do you need your little jacket? In and maybe, I, I don't know. Is, is what's the temperature over there? It, right it was now? cold for about five or six days. It was cold. And then all of a sudden it was 80 again. So 
I'm really jealous. <laughs> oh my god! And and I tell you, I'm staring at snow, and it's it's not fun. I'm the nights the nights are so beautiful. It's like 70 with a light breeze yeah. at night. It is it is is it's great. I mean, I just go in the backyard with the dogs. I hang out. It's it's amazing. You know, we had our six day of six days of winter, and 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 now it's uh, beautiful weather again. Really upset by that because I love the open window sleeping. Like I don't know if you do the same oh, thing, yeah. but I, I'll fire those. Those things are all the way open when I'm sleeping. Like I don't care. Like I love like the breeze of of, of like a summer, or spring, or whatever. I, I love that. It just but... smells nice too, you know. And you get a nice breeze coming in. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, my house is like really terrible smelling right now. The dogs don't help, but like, yeah, we can't open. Like I haven't opened windows in. There was one day I think we had it was like 42, and I opened all the windows, which was the worst idea ever because it was so cold in the house. And Michelle wakes up and she's like, why are all the windows open? And I just need to breathe like not stuffy air for one second of my life. You know what I mean? Yes. Like the house just stinks. It just reeks of like dog and me and like food and trash. And it's like, this is, I hate this. It's disgusting. And like, it's a clean house, but it's just like, you never open windows and there's no air circulation. Hey, you're, so. you're, bre- you're recycling air with all of the other living organisms in the house. Like, you know, whether you live with someone, you got animals, you're all breathing in the same air over and over i know what you mean and it gets just yeah in particular i'd like to open the window in the room that i'm in this in here right now because i have like this desk here and there's a chair uh so when i went to go sit down to do the podcast i'm like oh, it kind of smells really weird in here and like one of the dogs shit like right under my desk like right where i put my feet mm. so and i found this out like minutes before the podcast started so i had to like clean that up like not proper cleaning i just got you know got the and then i just like febrezed it so now it just smells like half febreze half dog shit you know what i mean like the febreze doesn't really cover it up it just kind of smells like febreze but still also smells like dog shit as well there, so. there's been times where i was doing this show <laughs> and you know we go for three hours and i'll i'll watch one of the dogs sneak upstairs and then for the last hour and a half of the show the house smells like shit because they sneak upstairs to take a dump because they, right. they know I'm not like, going to let them out. Dad, can we please go outside? Okay, no, fuck they, it. They see these headsets and they know it's over, yeah. you know, so it's like they sneak upstairs. And then for the last 90 minutes, I'm just the house just reeks of shit. And I can't like right now, I would love to pop a window open. Like I said, it's 70. It's breezy. I'm sitting right in front of a window. The problem, Rich, I can't have my windows open when I'm doing this show because I'm screaming at the top of my lungs about Gato. And the neighbors, <laughs> you know, like your neighbors, yeah, the neighbors already... don't need to hear that. You know, I'm gonna, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's... what's, what's, what's uh, Joe Lanza's reputation around the neighborhood? Good, bad, indifferent. I think most of the people. I mean, I don't really know any of them to be honest with you. The guy, okay, the one. Are you intentional, like avoid neighbor guy, or are you just like it just no, doesn't? I'm, I'm, look, if, if yeah. the situation presents itself, I'm very friendly. Because you know that guy, he like gets in his car and he puts his head down and like runs. It's like, all right, dude, it's that, fine. That's not that's... me. If the situation presents itself, I'm very friendly. I'm not the guy that's going to go knocking on your door, handing you a basket full of cookies, though. You know what I mean? But it, I but you. it's like I, the neighbor on the one side, I know his name because his name is also Joe. But if his name wasn't Joe, I probably wouldn't know his name. <laughs> but but I talk to him a lot. Like if he's out there, we'll 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 do the banter. We'll do the pleasantries. Yeah, you'll exchange pleasantries, as, as they would say. I, I talk to his wife too. I don't have any clue what her name is. But I talked to her. Probably Joe. Probably Joe. And I told you about these neighbors. These are the ones where I was looking for a dog sitter. And um, and uh, I, I, I was asking them if, if anyone around the neighborhood had, like, kids. And, they, and, and, uh, and there were kids in there. I was like, uh, who, are these, who are these kids? And they're like, Joe, these are our kids. They've lived here the entire time. I didn't even know they had kids. <laughs> like, like, 
like, and they've lived next door to me. And then I put two and two together because then I look in their backyard. They've got like swing sets and a fucking trampoline. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. I just never. <laughs> Are they never on the trampoline, or do you never even like look out there? I wonder how you could. These, I don't know. I just, I, I don't. Are they just home kids? There's a lot of times like that. Like my parents, there's like there's little kids that live next to them, and those kids are legitimately never outside. I've ne- I've seen the kids once ever, and they're like eight, and I don't know. And they have a big backyard, and like you said, they have a trampoline and a swing set and all this other stuff. I've seen them once my entire time that I've ever went and visited my. That's parents. what I mean. Once. I've never I never see these children. It was like the first time I saw them, so I just I didn't know what was. Well, you should have told the parents that. I don't see your damn kid. Get them outside. I did say something like around. that. I was like, hey, look, I don't yeah. think I ever saw them. You know, they just laughed at me. You know. Well, is that I, the kid that stole your chihuahua? Is that that one? No, no, no. That no, okay. definitely not. That was some little shit that lived down the block because he was hightailing it off. He had the he had the dog under his arm like a football. You know, like that move, like he had it cradled like a football, like he was you know, like he was Le'Veon Bell crossing the yeah, line. Right. Like he's he's taken off with the dog. I gotta imagine if you really want a chihuahua in Texas, it's probably not that hard to go to like uh, you know a, a pound or something like that. There's probably a lot of chihuahuas. Like here, it's all pit bulls. If you want a pit bull, you walk down to whatever the nearest pound is, and there's 26 pit bulls here. Anytime, I kind of imagine Texas is kind of the same way with chihuahuas, right? I would. I, like I mean, there's just probably tons of chihuahuas. If, if you really desperately want to ch- want a chihuahua so much that you're willing to steal somebody else's, that maybe you just ask your parents. Hey, you guys have a hundred bucks to go to the pound and maybe get a chihuahua for me if that's that big of a deal. But it is a Mexican animal, and we are close to the border. You know, relatively speaking. So, you you know, maybe you're right. You know, that's a decent theory. There might be more chihuahuas here per capita than you would find somewhere in Chicago. You you might be on to something there. Unfortunately, in the pound that we um we ended up getting Hans at, uh, there was a deaf chihuahua, and that was uh, very loud. <laughs> like, he, he, he was deaf, but he still barked every second because he's a chihuahua. You know, I mean, like, the, the same, every you walk up to him, and he got all scared and started barking. But it was, like, the most loud and obnoxious bark ever, and it was just like, ah, oh, damn it. And eventually he got picked up because we, we did find out that he got, uh, somebody wanted him. So Chihuahua, I'm, I'm Chihuahuas are very loud when they, you know, they, 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 they're, they're, look, Here's the thing about a chihuahua. In the course of its life, it's almost never going to encounter another living thing smaller than 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 he is. You know right, other I mean? than an ant, maybe. <laughs> like, it, insects. Insects and maybe some rodents. I mean, even the, even if you have cats, the cats are going to be bigger than he's, right, he's right, right. always or she or he or she are always going to be the smallest thing. So they have that they where, you know, they, they have to be loud and aggressive. You know, my, my chihuahua gets very loud and aggressive with my, my Boston Terrier, which is three times the size of her. And the Boston just takes the abuse. But every now and then when the Boston's had enough, she'll put that, them <laughs> teeth on the neck or she'll swat her with the paw and the chihuahua shuts the fuck up. It's all bark, no bite. But y- y- if you don't like a loud animal, it's probably not the right pet to get because they are going to make a lot of, you know, they're protecting themselves rich. I'm starting to think we should do that podcast instead. I, I think I'd be more interested in a dog podcast than a wrestling one at this point in my life. Thoughts? Um, I mean, I could do three hours on dogs. I don't know. Yeah, let's I, do I that. Three, let's I could listen. That. I could bullshit my way through anything. I could do three hours on anything. I could do three hours on my on my designer underwear that's a size too small, <laughs> tumbling in the dryer right now that with your fucking amazing ears. So, speaking well, of designer underwear, there you got it. Go, go. No, you do it. You do it. You got it. I, I was about to do it. Go ahead, Mac Weldon. Let me tell you about Mack Weldon Rich. Mack Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. Mack Weldon will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you will ever wear. They want you to be comfortable, so if you don't like your first pair, you can keep it, and they will still refund you. No questions asked. Let me tell you, Rich, 
if 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 they wanted underwear back, I'd have a lot of questions. <laughs> I was I always wondered about that. Yeah, I'm sure they're like, it's fine, man. Like it's cool. Like you're like, I don't really like these. Like just it's fine. You can keep them, man. Like it's like uh, it's like going back to Victoria's Secret with a bag full of lingerie three days after Valentine's Day. Look, <laughs> right? Yeah, we don't we want, want that bad. Chances are it's soiled. Like, uh, yeah, the crotchless panties you can keep. Yeah, absolutely, fine, so. yeah. Not only does Mac Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, but they perform well too. It's good for working out, going to work, going on dates, everyday life. Go to MacWeldon.com right now. Get 20% off using the promo code. And it has changed. This is a new promo code. So listen up. It's VO Wrestling. VO Wrestling. Do not put two W's in there. You're not going to get your 20% off if you put the two W's. No. It's VO Wrestling. At MacWeldon.com, 20% off. Rich, uh, let's see. I, I think it would be – we've got to start off with Kenny Omega. I think that's the big story uh, going around wrestling this week. I think there's no way around it. I think most of our listeners are probably caught up on the situation. But to give a quick synopsis, Kenny Omega, not on the Fantastic Mania Tour, not on the New Beginning Tour, nor is the entire Bullet Club. And we'll get more into that as we move along in the show. Uh, but Kenny Omega, always the worker, sending out vague tweets, saying he's going to assess his next move. Of course, all of this broke about an hour after we wrapped up the podcast last week, of course. <laughs> Talking about the future plans of Kenny Omega. So, you know, thanks. Thanks, buddy. Right, which made our podcast obsolete an hour after we put it out. But luckily, the story, you know, luckily for us, the story has had some legs and it's carried right through uh, uh, to today. Um, helped along by John Cena, who's on his Instagram, putting out pictures of Kenny Omega, dropping hints similar to what he did with AJ Styles last year. To me, there's a bunch of key differences, but we can get into that. And there's basically been a lot of question, uh, a lot of speculation, a lot of question of what Kenny Omega's next move is going to be, whether he's going to pop up at the Royal Rumble, which I personally think there's 0% chance of. Uh, I think at this point, we can pretty much say 0%. Who I mean, maybe not 0 maybe 0.1%, but it's, it's, it, that would be very uh, – that'd be a huge surprise, a huge turn of events if that did happen. So I, I do not expect that. Here's why I think that's there's 0% chance of him popping up at the Royal Rumble. No matter which timeline, no matter which report you want to believe or, or – or, or let me put it to you this way. We, immediately, almost immediately, you were already in bed. Okay, because this, you know, I, I exaggerate a little. It was four or five hours after we finished the show last week. You're it's like one in the morning when Omega made his tweet. You're already in bed. I'm on the Twitter feed. Those are Lanza hours. And, you know, no less than 10 minutes after Omega sends out that tweet, Rich, we're already getting DMs from people saying, this is a work. This is Kenny being Kenny. He's under contract. He can't go anywhere even if he wants to. He's under contract for another year. Right, right. Which, you know, honestly, I couldn't remember whether he was one of the guys who re-upped last year when everybody got those two-year deals. I tried to look it up. I couldn't find any reports. Look, the people listening have the same Google I have. Okay, I looked for it. I couldn't find it. I don't know about you. I can't confirm whether he is still under contract through 2018, but I can tell you that multiple Right, people... without a press release or something from New Japan, we, we don't know. I mean, you know, it, it was always just reports, this sort of thing. But yeah, I, I, I couldn't even I find any reports. And I, couldn't fi- I couldn't find anything. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't really find much either. So, so I mean, I, look, but multiple people immediately dropped into our DMs to tell us this was all, you know, just Kenny working or whatever, and, and, and he's still under contract for a year. Uh, but then a couple days later, Dave Meltzer went on his radio show, and he said that he had heard that Kenny's contract is up at the 31st of this month. 
So circling back to my Royal Rumble point, Rich, no matter what you believe, whether his contract is up on the 31st or whether it's up in 2018, contractually, he cannot show up at the Royal Rumble. So that's why I completely write off that scenario. Right. And people don't know it's the 20, the 29th is, is the Royal Rumble. Of course, it's in, in January. And yeah, unless he wants to break a contract and cause a, a gigantic war uh, of, of lawsuits and whatnot between New Japan and WWE, which I'm sure neither party wants. Uh, yeah, it's not happening. And so. with the bad blood now from Kadani's side of things. Now, I, look, I don't believe there's any bad blood. on. Look, I think WWE has one eye on New Japan. I think there's no question about that. Kadani hates WWE for what they pulled last year. And he's said as much publicly. I mean, he's yeah. basically declared war. I think it's stupid, but he's basically declared war. And he says he's coming here because he's annoyed about what happened last year. And uh, in order for Kenny Omega to show up at the Royal Rumble, they'd have to release him from his contract a couple days early. I can't see Kadani greenlighting something like that, even if that's what Omega wanted. I think at this point, based on what happened last year, uh, he would dig his feet and say, nope, if you want to go there, you can talk to them on February 1st. That's assuming – now listen, that's assuming Dave's information is correct, which we have people telling us that's incorrect. (laughs) Right, And he is under contract until next year. So like I said – Rich, I can't confirm how long he's under contract. Neither can you. I can only tell our listeners what we were told by people we trust. And what we were told by people we trust is that he's under contract long term. And in fact, um, you know, we were even given some specific booking plans for down the line, which we can't get into. But it's like so it's like New Japan is under the impression he's not going anywhere. The, the, The 131 date, then, you know, you know, I listened to Shake Them Ropes today and. Uh, I mean, you know, they came right out and said it, and, and, and even one of our sources came right out and said it. Uh, a lot of people think that Dave is just being worked with the 131 date by, you know, people he's close to, you know, Young Bucks. But it's like, I, <laughs> hey, look, that's McCarran's fault. He did it first. But, but, but listen, it's so I don't know. Um, all I know is before Dave ever came out with that 131 date, we were told that it was through 2018. So I, you know, I, I, I don't know. Um, my, my gut, look, I don't think, like I said, he can't show up at the Royal Rumble either way. He can't show up at the Royal Rumble. So get that out of your heads. Uh, but my gut is telling me, I, I think, and, 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 and based on just, you know, my recollections of what went down last year, I, I, I tend to believe he's under contract for another year. And I think this is Kenny being Kenny. What do you think? Yeah, I, I 100% agree uh, as well. I think uh, a lot of the part, when I first when I first saw the story about it and I first was reading a little bit, you know, like when I woke up that next day, um, I, I, you know, I looked at what we said, you know, your DMs with some people saying, oh, no, this is actually what it is, you know, and, and I looked at a little bit of research. I looked at the tweets. I looked at, a, you know, the, the Instagram posts and all that sort of stuff. And the more I was reading, the more I was reading, I was saying, you know what? This I, I think this is just Kenny doing Kenny things, and I started thinking of some theories of why possibly he would do this, what what his reasoning behind it. And of course, one reason is it's now a week later, he hasn't been around, and we're talking about it, and leading off our show with it, and the, you know, <laughs> Shake Them Ropes, uh, you know, their featured image was Kenny Omega, our featured image was Kenny Omega, you go to any website, and Kenny Omega's, you know, front and center, and what he's going to do, what, you know, what's next step for Kenny Omega. So I think that's it right there. I mean, you see that, and basically go, okay, well, that's one reason why, just kind of stay in their conscience. But I think the other thing as well, and I, and I, I, I think that there was something that he kind of meant. He, he said it in a Sports Illustrated. It was this week in Sports Illustrated. He had an interview and he said exactly what my reasoning behind this was is that he said, and this is, this is a quote. He says, yes, I'm out of the country and off shows, but I haven't signed any new contracts yet after such a huge loss. I didn't want to just hang around and take part in meaningless matches. And I thought that last part was very, very poignant. And that's exactly what I, my kind of theory was, is that this guy just didn't want to 
do the same old thing where you lose a big match, then you just show up the next day and you're just kind of in tag matches with the Bullet Club. You know what I mean? You're just kind of floating around doing nothing. Because obviously he knew and, and everybody knew what the next plan was afterwards was to go to Suzuki and Minoru Suzuki and, and, and Okada. So where does that leave Omega? He goes back after these shows and, and what's he doing? He's just doing, you know, floating around doing nothing. He's maybe in six mans or whatever, or he's, you know, nursing his injuries and coming ringside or whatever. Kenny doesn't want to be that. Kenny doesn't want to just be every other guy. Kenny doesn't want to just be another title challenger that lost. And now he kind of waits his, his turn in line or whatever. That's not him. I think he's way more interested. And I'm sure new Japan probably signed off on this as well. You know, I, I have no idea. There's just kind of my working theory here is that they, he said, you know, Hey, I'm not feeling all that. Well, I'm going to take a little bit of a break here if you guys don't mind, but let's create some buzz here. Let's get something going here. And you know what? It could honestly be swung as new Japan saying, okay, they'd be fine with them swinging the new Japan or that the, the WWE deal might be out there or swinging the idea that WWE might be interested or whatever for him to come back to new Japan. And then maybe a new Japan goes, okay, Hey, look, this guy was, you know, WWE was interested in this guy, but we got him back. He came back here. He came back to us. I don't, I don't doubt that Kidani would think that way and go, yeah, you know, we got you under contract, but if people believe this and we can work some people, why, why don't we say that you're, you're interested in WWE? Let's you know, maybe that's not the worst thing in the world to then have you come back and go, Hey, look, you know, WWE didn't get this guy. They got all those guys last year. They couldn't get Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega's our guy, and he's not going anywhere. And, of course, you look at the rest of the year. You look at what the plans are for the rest of the year. I can't imagine that they go forward with the idea of coming stateside and spending the whole year building up at Kenny Omega. I mean, the whole year was built up for Kenny Omega, this big Wrestle Kingdom main event, just for him to be, you know, just for that contract to expire. You know what I mean? Like, I I just, I can't fathom that those weren't in unison. The idea that let's build this guy up. And then let's go to America with him as one of the guys, with him as one of the top three or four stars of our company. I can't imagine that that wasn't a part of the, the thought process. So in my mind, I, have, I, I almost have no doubt now that he, he is probably going to hang around. He's not going to WWE. He's not going elsewhere. That he's, he's, he's New Japan property. But that he wants to take a little bit of time off to create this buzz and to not do the meaningless match thing and to kind of surprise people when he comes back as opposed to just always being there. We know that Kenny's not that type of way. Uh, another thing, too, and I guess I'll ask you what your thoughts are on this. I've seen this kind of bandied about as well. The idea that if he goes away for a little bit, he can come back reinvented. He can come back reinvigorated. He doesn't, maybe he breaks away from the bullet club. Maybe him and the Bucks start their own thing. Maybe he comes back as a baby face. Maybe the, the whole New Japan landscape is different in a few months after, you know, this Suzuki gun, you know, has returned or whatnot. It allows you a whole different time and a whole different ability to kind of change what you are and change, you know, your trajectory or whatever. Omega's kind of said in a lot of interviews as well, you know, I did everything for this one moment and I lost and now I have to reassess. And part of that reassessing might be a complete change of his character. Maybe he gets rid of the cleaner. Maybe he's not the cleaner anymore. He's just Kenny Omega. Maybe he gets rid of the Bullet Club and he just becomes the elite. And maybe he he cleans up his act altogether and he's a babyface. You know, there's a lot of different ways that this can go. But I think that's something, too. Because if he just hangs around, it's much harder to do that. I think now you've built something where he can go away for a little bit, get a new paint, you know, new coat of paint when he comes back, and then come back really surprising people and come back with a whole new direction and come back back at the top and not just floating around in six mans or doing, you know, tag matches with, with, with you know, Bone Soldier and stuff like that. I honestly believe there's all those factors that play into there. What, what do you think about at least the, the reinvention part that I mentioned? I mean, I think it's been pretty clear that Omega and the Bucks have wanted to break away from Bullet Club for for some time. I mean, that's why they created this whole elite thing. Um, you know, I think this whole thing could be as simple as it's like I think you kind of nailed it when you said, you know, he's still the talk of the wrestling world, and the reason he's still the talk of the wrestling world uh, isn't just because of you know the great match he had with Okada, but because of that tweet he sent out, and, and you know because of all this speculation. And I think, I mean, look at it this way: it you know. 
this may not be some grand plan. Look, look, look at it from this perspective. There's no Bullet Club on the Fantastic Mania tour. There's no Bullet Club at all. Not just Kenny Omega. There's no Bullet Club at all on the New Beginning tour. Now, if they told Kenny, look, we're giving Bullet Club the next month off. Go home, rest up, enjoy yourself, get your body right, and we'll bring you back for the New Japan Cup tour. Um, you know, if you're Kenny Omega, what goes through your head at that point? At that point, you say to yourself, well, I have all this great buzz right now. Why am I going to just piss that away by disappearing for a month? I mean, it's kind of a brilliant move to put out a tweet like that to keep your name on the tip of everybody's tongue, even when you're not around. This guy's not going to wrestle a match for what, five, six weeks? But he's going to be the con- he's going to be every he's going to be all the talk through the Royal Rumble with all the Royal Rumble speculation. And then, you know, now that, um, you know, Meltzer put out this 131 date, he's going to dominate the talk after 131. Every time a Monday rolls around, you're going to have people talking, is this guy going to show up at Raw? You know, which which kind of feeds into the idea that maybe Meltzer was worked with the date because, you know, it, it, you know it, that will keep his name at the forefront in everybody's mouths until yeah. he shows back up in New Japan again. I thought it was an interesting th- thing as well and 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 I, I don't know if it got covered quite as much and, and we know kenny omega is like you know the thought wrestler we talked about that all last week that, that i don't know if there's a smarter wrestler or more conscious wrestler of his image and more conscious wrestler of the little things than kenny omega right now the terminator entrance wrestle kingdom you know he comes out as the terminator it's it's very similar to the original terminator you know he's naked he wants the clothes he's a he's a badass and and, and he's a terminator set to destroy the world that's what he's brought here to do is kind of to cause chaos and destroy the world and all that sort of stuff but then he goes away you know, in Terminator, he goes away, and then he comes back in Terminator 2 as a good guy. The universe has been destroyed, you know, now when he comes back, and now he's he's part of the, the, the alliance to get the world back in place, get the world back to where it is. His tweet, you know, there's the Terminator thumbs up gif. That's what it was. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was the, the burning Terminator giving the thumbs up. There's a relation there. He didn't just say, oh, yeah, I had a Terminator thing on my entrance. Oh, cool. I'll grab this, you know, picture of the Terminator giving the thumbs up before he comes back triumphantly as the good guy in Terminator 2. You know what I mean? Like, Kenny thinks about that shit. You know, maybe we're overthinking it. Maybe I'm working myself into a shoot. I don't think so, though. I kind of think there's some relation there. That Terminator 1 is when he comes out of Wrestle Kingdom. He's hell-bent on destruction. And, you know, he dies or whatever happens to him. And then Terminator 2, he comes back and he's a hero. I don't know. <laughs> like, there's there's a lot there. There's a lot of imagery there, and I don't think Kenny is a guy who just haphazardly throws things on there or haphazardly tweets something out. I, I he's just not that. No, type everything of guy. he does is for a purpose. That's what I mean. Like there's there's smoke to that fire, you know, <laughs> pun intended, because Terminator's on fire in that one. But you know what I mean? Like, he, he, and 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 here's the thing too. If 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 his contract was up on the 31st, and you know, New Japan obviously would know that, and 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 if he hadn't resigned at that point, there is no way that he that that he does not hit the one wing that Okada does not kick out of the one winged angel in that match. I mean there's just no way that that happens. They don't why why leave that on the table if the because in other words that would be his job on the way out. And if that's his job on the way out, there's no reason to protect him at all. And he was heavily protected in that match. Mhm. And that's something that's been really underreported as well. I think um some people have have done a pretty good job and in New Japan on Access uh, Josh Barnett was very good. I don't know if he got a tip off of that or, or he just kind of noticed it as well. But he very early in that show, and it's airing right now as we're recording this, the, the Omega Okada match. 
um, on, on access. And he mentions right at the beginning that, hey, you know, One Wing Angel's been a very protected move. You know, he's been really kicked out of it or whatever. And as Okada kind of squirms out of it, he always mentions, oh, you know what? Omega never really hit the One Winged Angel. This could be a whole different match if he hit that. Barnett was very, I, and I don't, I don't know who's feeding him the info. I don't know if he kind of picked it up on his own, but that wasn't a very poignant thing as well. They made it a very well known that there's a reason and, and it's a big deal that he did not hit the One Winged Angel and then Okada did not kick out of the One Winged Angel, that he never got it on him. That's protection. They have no reason to protect him if the guy says, "Ah, hey, by the way, in the next month I'm out." You know, there's or, no reason or, to do that. Or if he's left it up in the air and you don't know, because you don't run that risk. Right, especially after last year, they're not running exactly. that risk. Like especially we know they're not running that risk because it ended up being turmoil there last year. So we know they're not doing that. So I mean, I know it's less fun and all of those things. I mean, I think <laughs> everyone loves the big jump, right? I mean, I don't know about you, I love a big jump. Oh, I, yeah, I miss those days. I really do. They're, they're kind of back a little bit, but I miss, I, I like the, the Rick Rude walking out on TV. That That's so, I love that stuff, man. The big jump is so much fun. I mean, you know, and it, it's, I like seeing old faces in new places. I, I really enjoy that. I think it's, 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 you never know how, no matter how good someone is, you never know how they're going to do in a different environment with a different house style, um, you, you know, how they're going to mesh. I love stuff like that, which is why I was kind of into seeing Cody Rhodes in New Japan once. I don't really need to see him anymore because I saw it now. Unfortunately, I think we are going to see it some more. But that's why I was kind of into the Cody Rhodes juice match. I, I was into seeing Cody Rhodes work a Tokyo Dome match in New Japan. That was interesting to me. Um, not nearly on this level. I mean, you know, to see Kenny Omega work WWE would be obviously, you know, a thousand times more interesting than watching Cody Rhodes work a mid-card match at the Dome, but you see the point I'm making. You know, AJ Styles coming out at the Royal Rumble, that's a great moment. We all knew it was, we knew he was going to show up eventually. We didn't know it was necessarily going to be at the Rumble, but that, when he came out, that was, that was, you know, that was an exciting moment. You know, Nakamura Zane. I mean, you know, it's like, I I like a big jump. And I know this is a little less, but I kind of have to throw cold water on this. I really don't think he's going anywhere. Um, and, and, And the people that we speak to privately are very calm about this and very measured and very matter of fact about the idea that he's not going anywhere. But I mean, I, I can't believe I'm going to use this phrase. I hate this phrase, Rich. And I, 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 oh, no. can't, I can't think of another way to say it, but kudos to Kenny Omega. Oh, <laughs> yuck. Ugh. Ugh. I said, kudos. <laughs> Kudos to Kenny. It's like a boardroom. That's like a boardroom term. You know oh, what I mean? So like, bad. You know, I can't like, think of another way to put it. Um, you know what? In front of a PowerPoint, it's something you always say when you're in a suit in front of a PowerPoint presentation, right? Like, kudos to Jill and <laughs> yeah, Jill really came through here. Kudos to her coming through with this awesome looking PowerPoint. Thank you. Thanks for the yeah. They cash flowed ten percent growth last quarter. So kudos to Jill and her team. You know? Yeah, right. It's all you got to be and like you have to be standing in front of the. You can't be off to the side of it. There's got to be the big board. Or, or, you know, the big projection screen, and then you're standing in front of it when you say kudos. Like you're blocking some term, or you're, you, know, you have your shadow on the, on the board while you're, you're mentioning kudos to, you know, Jill for accounts receivable. Yeah, really stepping it up. Yeah. There you go. But it, it like, you know, but I can't, like, what, what do I say? Okay, props to Kenny Omega. Is that better? Ah, uh, you're too old to say so, props. Yeah, I don't know. Um, is that what they're saying on the streets? Props. That's what the kids say. Yeah, yeah. Um, so props to Kenny Omega for pulling <laughs> this big ups. off. Big ups. Big ups to Kenny. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Fist pound, right? Picture the fist. The big O. We call him the big O. Big ups to KO. Big ups to one of the many KOs. Very popular (laughs) letters. I was going to say, yeah, if he he goes to WWE, they're going to have to change his name because there's too many goddamn KOs hanging around. Picture JL fist bumping Omega as I say that. Big ups to Kenny Omega. 
for keeping his name and everybody and, and pulling this off because, um, look, I mean, you're going to see this talk and it's going to become increasingly annoying, I think, to keep on seeing it. But it'll end as soon as you see him in a New Japan ring, probably sometime around March, right? Um, I, w- I would think that's... Yeah, because we have the new beginning cards and yeah, he's uh, noticeably absent from that. So yeah, and you look, it's yeah, probably March, right? I mean, maybe late February, but yeah, it's probably going to be March, probably in the New Japan Cup at some point. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, maybe late February, because I guess the two new beginning shows, the new beginning tour wraps up on the 11th. Right, and I forget oh. what's what's directly after that. I don't know if... Uh, they have, like, New Japan Road, I think. It doesn't that... Don't they squeeze in New Japan Road um, in between, or, or uh, Kazuna... Is it Road? Is it Kazuna Road? Well, there's Kazuna Road. Yeah, I don't remember if that's ever... I forgot when that happens. Yeah, and, is that late February? they do the new... I'll look it up right now, but... Yeah, no, I, I got it. I got it. I'll have the producer look at that. Okay, me. Let me do it. Um... Now that's like July Kazuna Road. I don't know what's coming up. Yeah, hold on. <laughs> they got, they got some goofy show. In- no, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I forgot the name of it. So it's after the New Beginnings and and, and before the New Japan Cup. Right. But, I, they yeah. used, isn't uh, there something they shoehorn in there? There is something. Yeah. Let me uh, let me see if I can. God damn pop ups on their damn website. I don't know what they say either. It's uh. Let's see. Oh, stop popping up, and I don't know how to make it not pop up. Okay. Well, last year they did the. You know what it was last year? They did the Honor Rising shows. Right, right, okay. And I didn't see those announced this year. I don't think they're doing those again. No. <laughs> so, and then New Japan Cup started up the uh, first week of March. So I don't know what they're going to do to kill time. Last year, New Beginning in, in uh, Niigata was on the 14th. And then they came back on the 19th and 20th with the Honor Rising shows. They did a Lion's Gate on the 25th and then new Japan cup started yeah. right up on the third. I don't uh, think going... There isn't honor rising. Oh, they are doing it. Uh, they are. Yeah. They got, we got a Togi Makabe 20th anniversary show on the uh, 21st okay, in Cork okay. and Hall. See, they always shoehorn something in that, in that. Day. Yeah, I, I don't think he's coming that day, but uh, the 26th and 27th says honor rising Japan, 2017 Cork and Hall. All right. So there you go. So they're doing honor rising again, 26th and 27th. Uh, then you're right. New Japan road is on the first through the third at Cork and Hall. So you got new Japan road. Uh, you got Raising an Army Anniversary. I don't think he's coming there. That's March 6th. Uh, and then a few more of the Raising the Army or Raising an Army Anniversary shows. And then you get to the New Japan Cup. So, yeah, you look at Honor Rising or, yeah, the New Japan Road. So just New Japan Road. You were correct. Okay. so I, I got Kazuna in your head, but that, is, that was not Well, correct. there's a Kazuna Road. It's like in July or That's June. in July. Like yeah, June, that's July. something yeah. like that. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, but that, yeah, my point is they always squeeze something in between – uh, the end of New Beginning and before the New Japan Cup. This year, it sounds like there's a bunch of shit. You got a Togi Makabe anniversary show. You got some Honor Rising shows. And then you got some other uh, shit that you were talking about there. So I, I doubt he works any of that. I mean, he'll, he, you know, I would think that he won't come back until uh, New Japan Cup, which would which would be the uh, first week of March. But um, jumping out of ourselves a little bit because we got the New Beginning cards that came out. I guess uh, this they, they put them out the same day they put out all the uh, Fantastica Mania stuff, I think. I, I think so, yeah. I forgot exactly what day. But... So, yeah, we've got the two shows again this time. Now, see, I think what's being kind of underreported or what people are overlooking a little bit, Rich, is last year I mentioned that you know, one show is always in Osaka for the new beginning. Uh, last year, the second show was Niigata. The year before was in Sendai, the Sendai Sun Plaza, which holds like uh, 2,500, 3,000 fans. Niigata's not a huge building. This year, both new beginning shows are in big buildings because you've got the usual show in Osaka in Edeon Arena. But they've all, they're also – the second show is Sapporo, 
which is another huge building that holds five, 6,000 fans, uh, roughly the same size as the building in Osaka. So they're not doing a big new beginning show and then sort of a smaller redheaded stepchild. New beginning right, show. right, which they always have done, yeah. Uh, you'd have to go back, I think, to 2014, the first year that they did two new beginnings to find where they did them in two larger size buildings. So this is the first time in three years where they're doing two full on full size new beginning shows. And I don't think enough people are talking about that. And I think that does speak. And, and, and think about this, Rich. They're doing this without Kenny Omega. And they're doing this. With Hiroshi Tanahashi not working any higher than like fifth from the top on either show. I mean, that's crazy. That just goes to show you the confidence that they have in Tetsuya Naito and Kazuchika Okada. And I think something else that they did that was very smart, that was very smart, was they put Naito's match in Osaka. That's his town. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, he owns that town. He owns that town one way or another. Whether they hate him or love him, he owns it. And the tickets were close to sold out already. It's either going to sell out or come very close to selling out. Because Naito and Osaka now is very comparable to CM Punk in Chicago or whatever else you want. That's his town, man. Yeah, he's synonymous with that town now. At this so point. when they come back to Osaka, you know, it's very smart, too. They put his in, and they put Okada's match in Sapporo. And if you remember, Rich, that's the same town and the same building which was night one of the G1 where Okada Marafuji drew that big number. So they're going right back to where Okada did well in the G1 against Marafuji and putting Okada Suzuki in that building. And they're putting Naito in the Osaka building. So full confidence without Kenny Omega with Hiroshi Tanahashi working prelims, they still have the confidence to run two big buildings. And I think that they split up the two, the two remaining draws perfectly here. I mean, you can't do it any better than that. And, and the point that I wanted to make was these are the types of things that people need to look at when you talk about how well this company is booked. This is the kind of stuff that matters. It doesn't matter that, you know, Bushi lost the junior title on his first defense. That stuff is insignificant to the big picture. It doesn't matter that Evil only held the Never title for 10 days or – that the, that the six-man titles change hands every time they're defended. That is such small potato stuff. This is the kind of stuff which really is the mark of, of a good booker and quality booking and maximizing your profits. Because you could have sloppy booking here, and you could have put Okada and Osaka and Naito in support, and it'd be a mistake. You know, they, they, Listen, they, no one's really talking about this, and look, not, not everyone's wrapped up in the business like we are. I get that. A lot of people just care about the matches. I totally understand that. But, you know, I think for us and the type of people who listen to this show, this is the kind of stuff I like, you know, digging in and, and, and seeing these sorts of decisions that the company makes. I agree. It's, it's pretty interesting. And I thought another part that was really fascinating about New Japan business as it relates to the New Beginning shows that we knew now that there's going to be English commentary on this and many, many other shows throughout the year. They released an entire list of all the English commentary they're going to have, and that is way ramped up. Uh, in 2017. So, I mean, we, we, we keep talking about it. We keep saying, get, keep an eye out. I mean, this company is going global this year. I mean, they, they've always kind of been there and getting there and getting a little bigger. This this is the rollout. I mean, this is as global a year as any, you know, <laughs> any J- Japanese company I think has ever been. I mean, this is going to be a, an insane schedule of English shows 
starting with the new beginning, both new beginnings. And it, it was, you know, it just started out with just Invasion Attack and, and just Wrestle Kingdom and, you know, eh, maybe the last night of the G1 or whatever. You look at that list, Joe. There's almost all the big shows. I mean, pretty much every one of their big shows is listed on there. And that's a huge deal. Yeah, and this that's, and- that's a big expense too. That's the other thing too. They're, they're investing in it. That's an investment that they're making. Before it was, you know, I would do this, whatever. They're they're gonna have somebody fly over there, whether it be Kevin Kelly or whoever the hell it is gonna be, you know, in post Carino, um, whoever Kevin Kelly's with or whatever. That's a big investment to have those people go back and forth and come as many times as they are. That's a big deal though. That's really big, and and it speaks volumes to what they want to do this year and what 2017's plan is. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if the commentators are going to be there live every time, but, you know, either way. I, I mean, using the precedent, I, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I possible. guess. I mean, I, I would think for maybe Dominion and Invasion Attack for sure. I guess we'll find out with these new beginning shows. because if, Yeah, I think it'd be too. I think that it'd be way too different. I, I, I don't know how that would work um, if you had them, like, remotely try to commentate over. You know what I mean? Like, if you're taping it, that's not a problem. But live, that's going to be kind of a mess if you're going to try to have you know, a live show going Listen, on and then these I, guys I think, watching monitors like that. That's kind of a mess. I agree. But... That's shit. I mean, if you're going to do it, bring them to the buildings. Yeah. Um, but I, what I'm saying is I'm not fully confident that that's sure. Oh yeah. 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 Especially when it's all these shows and, and you know, yeah, that'll be, that'll be the interesting thing, thing to see because yeah, if they're sitting there and it's Kevin Kelly and whoever, you know, sitting at a desk ringside, then, you know, geez, man, this is, that, that's a real big expense that they're putting into this with, with the idea that, Hey, we're, we're growing, we're, glo- we're growing globally and America we're we want you to watch, you know, any English speakers, we want you to watch. We're going to make it as easy as possible for you to watch. And I think that's very important because, you know, we, we have a lot of people on our, you know, news feed that go, ah, oh, yeah, or, or, or Twitter feed or whatever they go, ah, you know, I don't care. I watch the, I like the Japanese commentary, all that sort of stuff. Anytime there's an English show, I get texts from all my friends or, or a good majority of my friends who watch wrestling and go, hey, is this show on English? Like they will not listen to the Japanese commentary. And I get it. It was something that was a big barrier for me as well. So we, we sort of in our bubble maybe think, ah, it's not that big of a deal. It's a huge deal though. For those casual fans, those kind of hanger honors, the ones that, that haven't been New Japan World subscribers from day one and watch everything that you know they put in front of them, that's a big deal for those people. And if, it, if they know that anytime they sit down and watch a big show, it's going to have English commentary, that's a big deal. That's a really big deal, especially if it's going to be on a monthly basis like it appears like it's going to be. This feels like a conversation from four years ago when they were first on Ustream, and this was kind of a big topic of conversation. And Look, it's still, it's, it's still a struggle for me to understand why that's a barrier. It really is, but you're also dealing with someone who's been watching tapes since you know the 90s. And I'm just used to it, and it's it's. I think it's a it's a barrier of initial entry, and then I think it's okay. I think because that's what I've noticed with with because I've had a few friends that have have started with just the English commentary and say, well, I don't know the guys, I don't know who anybody is, I don't you know I don't know this sort of stuff, and I try to tell them, hey, well, you know, we do a lot of stuff here at VoiceWrestling.com. If you need any help, or I'll watch it with you and help you, and then like then they they sort of grow after a few times of watching on English commentary. Then they kind of like it on Japanese commentary. So maybe they move over. There's the other thing, too, that what's good about English commentary is you don't have to sit in front. Like, say you need to go to the other room or say it's like kind of in the background while you're at work or it's in the background while you're doing something else or whatever. Having the English commentary lets you not necessarily have to watch every little part to know what's going on. They can sort of, you know, lead you through things that you're maybe not watching. or Maybe you have the window minimized while you do something else and feel like you're not missing something that really opens up the gaps for, in terms of just listening. If you're kind of doing something else and listening, you go in the other room and you're doing it. Maybe you're playing video games and you have it on in another computer and you're kind of watching it from there, watching it with one eye open. You can do it that way then too. Whereas if it's Japanese commentary, you kind of have to sit down and stare and watch the whole time. English commentary, especially if you're you know, of course, if you're an English speaker, you can, do a few other things while you watch it and feel like you're not missing something or feel like you're not left out. 
And there's also the idea that I don't know who the hell these guys are. I don't know any of the storylines. I don't know all that stuff. And we can tell them all the time, hey, it doesn't really matter. You'll figure out the storylines pretty quick. You'll figure out the guys pretty quick. But for a lot of people, that's a big barrier of entry, especially if they're casual wrestling fans. We're, we're nerds. We're idiots. You know what I mean? Like, you've been watching this stuff for years and years and years. Other people aren't that. People are, are you know, others are just kind of casual. And other people just kind of watch it. I have the New Japan on Access. Like, we, we talk about it all the time. We have followers who only watch it on there. I have three friends. I got two friends that just text me as we were speaking, as we just got on the air that said, oh, my God, is, uh, is it really true that Omega Nokata is on New Japan on Access? And I said, yes. They went, okay, cool. I'm going to go watch it right now. They only watch the New Japan on Access. They have no interest in getting New Japan World. They have no interest in, in listening to every little detail that we do, but they'll watch New Japan on Access every single week, particularly when there's a big match on there. Which is why, so which is why I think it's critical that when they're done with this Wrestle Kingdom run over, what, the next month or so, they're showing all the matches? Yeah, up until uh, like a, basically the first week of February. Yeah, I think it's critical that from there they just they're caught up and they show at most the shows on a one or two week delay from that point moving forward. Because then you could actually follow the product. Because before exactly. it was like you know you watched you know the G one finals in December and it's like well geez like this is months old or whatever. Yeah, if you can if they show the new beginning shows at like you know the first week of March or whatever, you're basically in. You know what I mean? Like that's not that hard to do. So well, that, more importantly, if you advertise New Japan World on there now and it's caught up, it makes it look which they have. There's tons of people did. who were watching New Japan on Axis and didn't realize it, it's like it didn't really even occur to them that it's 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 six seven months behind because it's, yeah, and somebody got this idea that we should do that because now they they will in the bumpers to the show say, you know, they have Rocky Romero do it or that once they had Okada do it or whatever, they'll have guys that say, Oh, you know, watch more of new Japan on new Japan world, you know, nine ninety nine a month or whatever. You know, I mean, they have guys right. that w- will do that now and they do those bumpers. They didn't do it for the first like two and a half seasons. I don't think they did one. Me- I mean, we were kind of talking about it. It's like, Jesus Christ guys mentioned that this, you know, that anybody watching this can subscribe to your network or you know, subscribe to new Japan world. But now I think the relationship between access and new Japan has gotten so much better now that I think it's a little bit more symbiotic now where they're like, yeah, okay, cool. We'll pump you guys up. You keep helping us out. You do this sort of thing. And it's, it's a good relationship, too. And I think it's been a very healthy one as well. We might, you know, in our bubble, not notice the show or really care because we've seen a lot of this stuff. A lot of people watch the Access TV. And, and, we put and, a review up and a lot of people click on it. They care. Yeah, and, and, and it just felt like it was disconnected from the rest of the products. It did, of, yeah. Off on its own. But now, if it's caught up and you can have a little bumper where Okada does a 15-second Access TV exclusive promo where he says, hey, look, if you want to see me, face Minoru Suzuki, you got to buy New Japan, you know, that, now they're in sync, and now you could actually use the Axis show to attempt to draw some money, which I don't think they were doing previously, when you're six, seven months behind, you can't, so yeah, and the thing with the English commentary is, I really wish whoever they get to do this, we've seen so many different people do it, whether it's Matt Stryker, Jim Ross, uh, Kelly and Carino, and what I think they do is is basically these guys are calling matches and calling moves. None of them have any clue what's going on. I've yet to hear New Japan get an English team in there that has a clue of what's going on. You know, beyond you know, it's like you know who had you you know who had. Oddly enough, the English commentator they had who really had Uh-oh. had it everyone's t- gonna get mad when you say gonna this. Get mad, but it was Matt Stryker. Yeah. yeah. Now he was terrible in other ways. <laughs> he's annoying as fuck, but yeah. But, but he's but. Uh, of all of the English language commentators they've had, he was like the only one who tried to supply backstory, explain why guys were facing each other. He had a clue. It was obvious he was paying attention or at least paying attention to his spotter or at least doing a crash course before he, before he stepped into the booth. Whereas some of these other guys like, you know, Carino and Kelly, look, they're fine. And they did an okay job at Wrestle Kingdom, but they were lost. 
they were lost on a lot of things. They had no idea what was going on in the Young Bucks for Pongi Vice match. Yeah, they killed that match, really. I they, mean, they, they, that match they, meant so much more than they gave it. That so. Romero story went right over their heads. And, and, and that, that, that kind of stuff cannot happen. you got to get guys in that booth who actively follow the product and are going to do the work. Okay? You can show up and call moves, but that comes through. And I think that's important. It's, it's once, if you're going to get these casual fans who are going to say, all right, we, you know what? You're going to give me English commentary. I'm going to buy this thing now. Okay? It's going to be harder to hook those people if you just have commentators who are just calling moves. Because it usually goes hand in hand. For the type of fan who needs English commentary, who will not try it without it, they're also usually the type of fan who needs stories, who needs storylines, who needs character. It goes hand in hand. It's that kind of fan. And you're not going to win them over if you're just calling moves. So I think that's a big problem, too. Now, you say that Jim Ross and Barnett did a better job with the Omega-Okada match. They did. They did a great job. And I don't know if it was straight-up research. I don't know. I, I could sense that there was a lot of research done in there. And I feel like the other part of it, too, was you can have as much research as you want, but if you don't care. And that's not – Barnett is always. I, I think pretty much every single episode that I've seen Barnett, if you can tell that he – who, if he does the research, I, I think he's got one eye a little bit on I, there. Listen, but I, where, not to cut you off, I think, Bar- yeah, I think Barnett's great. He's awesome. He's and he's, and he's, he's one that I would almost different from anyone else in the business. He calls it like an MMA fight. Yes, yes, he does. He calls awesome. he he explains the whole sports. sports. He calls it like sports, yes. and I love. It. And I think that works for New Japan. He explains the holds and what they're doing. He explains the holds and what they're setting up for later on. He calls it like you're watching a pride fight. I don't know why I use pride as my example, but he, I guess because it's just the Japanese connection, but he calls it like he's calling a fight. I love the way he calls, uh, he calls a pro wrestling match. He's my favorite guy in the business right now. I agree. He's a guy that you could probably have come live and I think he'd do an okay job. Like JR is the opposite where I don't like, I think, you know, and you can tell sometimes when, you know, he probably gets the same amount of research or a pretty decent amount of research for all these matches, but you can really sense when he just doesn't care about a match, when it's just a match that just doesn't interest him. It's not a big time match. It's not something that he, you can tell he just doesn't really care. He doesn't really put it over that well. He just kind of goes through the motions and does that sort of stuff. That is, is, is what I think was different with this show and, and different with this Omega Okada one is you could tell that he was interested. And we talk about this all the time. We talked about it when he, he did the live commentary for the, the, the Wrestle Kingdom years ago was he's a big match guy. He sleepwalks through the, you know, whatever. Okay, it's Young Bucks versus whoever. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't care about that stuff. He's a big match guy. And I don't think there's a better big match commentator than JR. I mean, we all have memories of JR in big matches, whether it be NWA, WCW, WWE, of him in a big, huge moment and him delivering just an all-time great call. And that's what he was with this Omega Okada. You could tell he was super interested in the, what was going on. He was super interested in the background. And you could tell he knew that this match was going to be really good. I don't know if he watched it before he commentated or he just heard all of the reports. But he knew, and you could sense from the beginning of it, that it was a completely different enthusiasm level for JR than you've gotten for a lot of the other New Japan on Access ones. Because I've been pretty critical of his commentary as well. Barnett has been fantastic. Barnett is... You know, I'd honestly might even think about, you know, putting him for one of the Observer Awards or something like that, because I think he's been that good, because I 100% agree with you. But JR hasn't. JR has kind of sleptwalked through a lot of things. This one is not. He is he is pumped from the beginning. He is into the story. He's giving background. He's giving context. And he's just making the moment seem bigger. And JR is so good at that. He doesn't want to make a small little dumb mid-card match feel big, because that's not him. Some guys will yell during the opener the same way they yell during the main event. He doesn't. He saves it. But in this, this is a big-time match. He knows it's a big deal. He knows a lot of people are watching. He likes the two competitors. He likes the style of the match. He was in rare form for what current JR is. I thought he was so good 
on this show. And Barnett was the perfect, you know, second to him as well. So I really, yeah, the commentary really stepped up there. With that said, JR and Barnett live, I don't think that would work because JR just wouldn't be able to. I mean, we saw that. I mean, that's that's to me the best case scenario would be what's been rumored that, you know, Mauro Ronaldo's contract is coming up and WWE isn't going to resign him. WWE fans don't like him anyway. I think they're nuts. I think the guy's great. If they don't want him, I'll take him. I, I would love to see, hear Morrow back on New Japan. If he if he called all these shows, that's that'd be awesome. Let me, let me tell you, I usually listen to the Japanese feed because I I have no use for. I'll, I'll usually listen to the English feed the next day just so I have a sense for you know so I can come on this show and talk about it. Um, but if if it was Morrow, Ronaldo, and Barnett doing all these live shows, that might entice me to listen to the English feeds live because I think they're that good, and I think they're just both made for this sort of product. I, I like Morrow in WWE. I mean, I know I it's I feel like I'm on an island with that, but I think he does. I, I don't. He can make Japanese references all he wants. It doesn't annoy me. I doesn't annoy me at all. I I like it. I actually actively enjoy the fact that he makes references to other wrestlers and other companies. It doesn't bother me at all. I don't understand why that bothers people, but whatever. But if 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 you know that 19 man booth on SmackDown is clearly a, a warning sign to someone. I mean, there's no reason to have four people in the booth. So if they're nudging him out, I think he'd be the perfect guy. I think they shouldn't even hesitate. And here's the thing, like you're saying too, Rich, if you're interested, it's, it may, you know, it's like, you know, it, it's, he would be interested. It's clear that Josh Barnett is interested. You know, Morrow would be into it and I think they would make a good team, but you know, it's up in the air. I mean, you know, they've got two shows coming up in, uh, you know, less than a month on the fifth and on the 11th. And we don't even know who's going to be calling them. But, you know, they're advertising English commentary, so they better have somebody ready, whether they're bringing them in there live or doing it in a booth somewhere. And it may just end up being Ross and Barnett. Who knows? But I think uh, to a point you brought up before, this is sort of the first step in this United States expansion that they're going through. One important thing for people to remember, though, they can fall on their face in the United States, and it really won't derail what's going on in Japan. I think that's important for people to pay attention to also. They'll lose some money along the way, maybe, but, you know. (laughs) The key to their business is still Japan, though, obviously. Right. You know, it would be, you know, look, they want to expand in the United States, and I'm I'm sure they think that would be be wonderful for them if they were able to uh, get a foothold here and all of those things. But they they can fall flat here, and it really won't matter big picture. It'll be sort of a short-term, egg-on-your-face sort of deal. But big picture, I'm not so sure it would – it's not going to curtail their momentum in Japan at all if – you know, 600 people show up in, in, in Long Beach in July. You, know, you see what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's really not, right. you, know, you know, big picture. I think people need to remember that, too. Uh, but anyway, uh, new beginning. We got the two shows. The first one is Sapporo on the 5th. Here's another thing, too, Rich. I, look, I'm sorry. I know you probably get tired of me beating these same drums. I know some of the listeners do, but I just can't help myself. This other idea where, you know, is this excuse you always hear. Oh, the cards are stacked for Okada, and they don't give Naito anything. Could these two cards be any more stacked in Naito's favor? If you want to play the Naito versus Okada game, don't do it this month, okay? Because the show in Osaka is is far more loaded than Okada's show. But uh, the Sapporo show, that's the Okada-Minoru-Suzuki match. And the semifinal is the three-way tag team title match. I mean, give me a break. And third from the top is <laughs> third from the top is Goto against Juice Robinson, and fourth from the top is the junior tag title match uh, with uh, Rapongi Vice defending against Taichi Shinoku. Yeah, and, wow. and you don't even get to Tanahashi or Naito. 
Until uh, why? Tanahashi and Naito are working a mid-card prelim. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Okada has no support on this show. Okay? You look at Osaka. Okay? Naito has Elgin in the, in the Intercontinental title match. And look, Elgin is not any kind of big draw. He's a solid upper mid-card guy. But look at the support he gets. His semifinal is the Hiromu Dragon Lee match. Okay? Uh, then he's got, well, they both get that stupid three-way tag team title match. But he also gets the Shibata Osprey match. And then he's got the uh, Never Open Mate six, uh, Never Openweight six-man uh, tag team title match, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi title defense. And then he's got Okada on the fourth match of the show. Okay, so his show runs, you know, six matches deep with legitimate matches. Oh, you could throw out the tag match, but they're both saddled with that. The, look, the, the Osaka card is much deeper than the Sapporo card. Uh, this time around. So, so I don't want to hear anything about, you know, uh, the company favoring Okada with car, which was always nonsense anyway, but just to show you another example uh, of how nonsensical that is. Uh, but then again, let me kick it to you, Rich. Do you agree that the Osaka card is the better? Um, I don't even know what you're thinking about, honestly. I... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess. What's your yeah. argument for the Sapporo card, if you were to make? Um, I mean, I like the Okada Suzuki, of course, on the main event. Uh, the rest is, I, I don't know, that Goto Juice is, is probably, I mean, not from a draw standpoint, from an in-ring standpoint. Yeah. I like that. The uh, Yeah, the, IW, the the tag title three-way. I I, li- I love <laughs> Makabe Hanma, and I, of course, love KES, and I'm, bla- I'm glad they're back, and uh, it's Ishii and Yano are the champions. But uh, yeah, otherwise, other than those two, other than Goto and Juice, and then the Okada Suzuki, there's not a whole lot to love on that card. Uh, so I guess, yeah, by default, you know, a, a card that's got, you know, Hiromu and, and Dragon Lee and, and Naito versus Elgin, which is going to be great. And then a bunch of other stuff. Uh, Shibata as well. Shibata. I mean, Shibata Osprey is something that people are, are really missing out <laughs> too because it's kind of buried there. You know, it's like six. That's yeah. I, I think from an in-ring standpoint, that shows is, is definitely better. I don't know if it's as gigantic as you were saying, because there is a lot of junk on there, too. But I think as far as like the top three matches or whatever, if you had to choose between you know which you would choose, you would definitely take the Osaka show over over the Sapporo show, no doubt. Yeah, so uh, Sapporo start to finish very quickly. Kushida. I like Okada Suzuki though, man. Ah, I love that. I love I, that combo. I'm looking forward. They always to have it. great matches, man. I, that's going to be just a fucking killer too. And that everyone's going to go nuts for Suzuki being back in New Japan too. It's 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 really great. So so we got the opener in Sapporo. That's in Sapporo's the first show, by the way. That's the fifth, and then the uh, the um, the Osaka show is not until the eleventh. I think there's a Cork and Hall show in between. Let me double check that. No, there's not. I'm sorry. There's. Uh... <laughs> we really should have looked at the cards. Actually, there, there might be the first Cork. And, well, there's a Cork and Hall show to kick off the the tour on the 27th, and then there's a second Cork and Hall show, which I want to make sure I talk to you about because uh, you're gonna you're gonna love this one. It's all Survivor Series elimination matches. Rich. I don't mind Survivor. I just don't like WWE Survivor. I'm gonna admit you we'll should see. review that show because we all know that Rich hates elimination matches. <laughs> cannot stand them. There's nothing Rich wants to watch less than an elimination match. But, uh, yeah, let's see. Let me see when that is. Yeah, that's on the 7th. It's actually in between the two shows. All right. Well, that's, that's me then. I got it. I'll book it, put it in my calendar. Yeah. We'll get to that in a second. But the Sapporo show, we've got Kushida and Kawato against uh, Yoshinobu Kanemaru and El Desperado. This Yoshinobu Kanemaru, Rich, the best worker in the business, how he finagled his way into New Japan was just a stroke of brilliance. Uh, Kushida, by the way, sort of downgraded on these shows. I don't think it means anything. I think it kind of just, you know, Dragon Lee is here for the time being, and they're going to do the Dragon Lee-Hiromu matches. 
Well, they have to go somewhere. I think that's the big point that we always kind of bring up. I mean, that's how they do these things. They don't just, you know, Omega's trying to buck the trend by kind of going away a little bit, but some of these other guys just have to kind of do this stuff. And, and Kushida, his entire year was building him up as the ace and building him up as, a, they don't do that. They don't make him the most dominant junior since, you know, Liger in 94, 95 or whatever, if they're just going to say, oh, you lost. All right, get down there. I mean, he's just waiting his turn. Yeah, I mean, these guys look, wait their yeah. turn and you go there. And that's, that's one of the reasons probably why Omega didn't want to wait. He doesn't feel like being, you know, in these, these stupid, you know, six man tags or whatever. And I get it but yeah that's that's kind of how it goes so yeah i don't don't think oh my god kushida's done he's over he's buried or what it's just how they do it they kind of take turns and, and his turn is not right my now. point yeah. here is kushida's gonna be fine i wouldn't he's fine about yeah, that he's, he's good. um and i also wouldn't read too much into the bullet club not being around i mean it's just you know they cycle them out they'll be back you know it's it's i think people are reading way too much into that it's, i don't have a whole lot of room for more i mean imagine if they had like six more guys on these cards i mean so, so gotta, i don't know what they're gonna i mean this is gonna be the problem moving forward i don't know what the hell you I do think, i, mean, I think just, you're gonna see more of this i think you're gonna cycle out suzuki gun sometimes you're gonna cycle out bullet club it's just the way it's gonna be i mean because you know, it would be too much if all those units all. are all there i mean yeah and ridiculous you're gonna have you know 12 man tags and stuff and it's remember just, they're making do this was unexpected yeah. okay that noah sale was done behind their back and this was unexpected, and they're making do with what they have. So I, I don't, I don't read into that at, at all. Uh, we got Tenzan Kojima and Nagata against Yoshitatsu, Finley, and Hanare. When is Yoshitatsu going to CMLL? I mean, can we hurry that up? Is that just a yeah? Or is that I thought it was no. I thought they said end of February. I thought uh, somebody translated right, that. So I think hopefully uh, this will be it for him. It, his yeah, name let's, trans- let's keep our fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, well, his name translates to goodbye. So that's a good sign. <laughs> that's a good sign. Finley's another guy who's sort of been cycled back down. But from from what we're told, there's still a plan to send him on an excursion. So, you know, we'll see about that. I'd also like to point out on the first Corkin show to open up the tour, speaking of Tenzan and Kojima, it's Tenkoji versus Killer Elite Squad, a straight up tag team match. So, you know, you figure Killer Elite Squad wins that since they're first time ever. First time ever for those two teams, too. That'd be fantastic. First time since (laughs) Since they had 45 straight matches. Yeah, straight times. But, right, uh, so. you know, uh, first time since their 50 match series earlier uh, a few years ago. So, yeah, got Shibata, Liger and Tiger Mask against Willow Spray, Jado and Gato. Obviously, that's a little teaser for the Shibata Willow Spray match. Uh, Yoshihashi versus Takashi Azuka. Big singles encounter, Rich. It's got people talking. <laughs> Does it? No, doesn't have that. <laughs> Mostly it has people going, oh, my God, why? Listen, I didn't say it has. Them talking. <laughs> that's talking. Yeah, that, that is talking. It's people are indeed talking. talking about it. Yeah. But uh, look, I, I think that's a, yeah. look, I think it's a solid win for Yoshiashi. Give him a nice singles win under his belt. Yeah. Right. Look out for the claw. Look out for the claw. Is Suzuki going to do the damn thing where rips the guy's shirt off again? Can we please just not do that? I, I think there's a good chance he loses by DQ when he grabs the iron glove. But, um, you know, that's. Hey, Azuka's due for like one good match every like eight, you know, eighteen months or whatever. So maybe that maybe that's this one. I think so. he's had one good match in like the last ten years. So I, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, I got that match with Maybach with the, with the countout finish. Yeah, um, there had to be one before that, right? Fifth match yeah. of the show, <laughs> young, pre yeah, pre intermission, I believe this will be Mike Elgin, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Minabu Nakanishi, Ryusuke Taguchi, and Dragon Lee. It's a lot of men <laughs> on one team, Rich. Against uh, Los Ingobernables Japan. So a 10-man tag. That'll be a hot match going into the intermission. But it just goes to show, I mean, if this show draws, if this show sells out, that's another huge feather in Okada's cap. He has nothing on the show. He's got Naito and Tanahashi pre-intermission. 
and there's just nothing on the back end of this card that's going to help him draw. I mean, this is a Suzuki. A Suzuki helps though. We no, know that. I mean, his match though, is yeah. what I'm saying. Like, yeah, right, there's right, nothing right. else on this show that that is, that is that, that's a drawing. I mean, you know, that's your first half of the show. There's nothing there. You've got the two biggest stars. Omega's gone. And the other two big stars are working pre-intermission in a nothing 10-man tag. Okay, so we get to the business end of the card and we talk. Uh, I guess. <laughs> yeah, this is what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. I mean, you kind of downplayed it, but the difference in these two, two cards is staggering in my – they're really putting a lot of faith in Okada to fill this building. Uh, so anyway, it's uh, Rapongi Vice versus Taichi and Taka Mishinoku. I know you hate this match. Um, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I love it. Taichi is a guy who has go-away heat with a lot of people. I don't mind. It, it was after the Super J Cup. It was over with me and him. I was like, "Nope, you're done. <laughs> you are dead to me." And I'm never coming yeah, back. I don't There's nothing Taichi's gonna do. That Super J Cup was embarrassing. I don't, how I don't, I don't love the guy. I mean, I've, I have no affinity for him. He could disappear tomorrow. I wouldn't care. I mean, I, I enjoy his antics sometimes, but I like the ladies. I like the ladies. I don't like him in a big spot. That's the problem. If if he was in the opener. Yeah, well, if you remember, you and I liked him for that like week. Remember when he came back after the the cheating scandal and was like doing the lip syncing, yeah, and the lip syncing and the dickhead. We were like, oh, cool. And then like that was like two years ago, and now I, I have not, I could not possibly care less about this guy. I don't so. want him in a title mix. That's my problem with him. I I can live with him in the like if he was in the opener on the opposite side of Kushida, I, I wouldn't mind. You know, I would much rather see Kanemaru and Desperado in this match. Than yes, yes. Oh, God, yes. So, you know, that's kind of... And I don't have anything against Taka. It's just Taka's tag team partner is Taiji. So what are you going to do? Um, but but I, I think I think Rapongi Vice retains. I mean, do you agree with that? Uh, yeah. Oh, Too God, soon yes, for them yeah. to lose, right? Yeah, I, I would certainly hope so. I mean, that would that really, really... I don't know if it would shock me, though, to be honest. It wouldn't shock me. It just It would kind of be a... Uh, you know, kind of a punch in the gut because it's like, oh man, you really want Romero? You want them to at least get a few, you know, get a little bit of a run because they built up that story for so long. Knowing now, we know that what the story was kind of built up for, which is great. Yeah, I would have them, you know, win a few times. You don't have to win, you don't have to hold the titles the rest of the year, but maybe one or two successful defenses would be nice. At least one against Taichi and Taka. I think that's not too much to ask. And a perfect so. team that you can just use as a, you know, right? I mean, you beat Taichi and who the hell cares? You know, it, whatever. Goto defends against Juice Robinson. Juice, of course, got the big pin on Goto at New Year Dash before the Suzuki Gun run-in sort of stole his thunder. Obviously, Juice Robinson's not winning this match, but clearly they're elevating him a bit this year. This is a, a huge match for him. Um, look, I think this can be an excellent match. I'm yep. curious how they're going to work against each other, and it sounds like you're excited about it, too. I am too. Yeah, yeah. I really am excited to see just kind of how the dynamics work, how they how they play off each other. Uh, Goto, you know, he sometimes lays you know an egg, and I don't think he's going to do it against Juice, though. I think the combination of him and Juice, I, I just don't see how that is anything but, you know, pretty, pretty really good match. I, well, I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to think it through. I mean, yeah, it, I don't know if the crowd's going to be, like, super excited, but they've, they've been into Juice a little bit lately, and, and Goto's kind of got new life with the title win. So, you know, I'm interested. I mean, the crowd went nuts when Juice got the pin, so I think they, they like the underdog story here. So I think the crowd's going to be into it, and I think the match itself is going to be pretty good. So, yeah, that, I, I'm looking forward that to That was Cork and Hall, to be fair. That's yeah, the hardest right, right. core. Of the they're a little more, yeah, they're hardcore. So, so Sapporo, who knows? who knows? But Juice does a good job connecting with the crowd. He grabs them now. There was a while there where it was so embarrassing. Remember when he, he was, was trying, doing, you know, shake, rattle, and roll, and everybody was just like looking at him, like who the hell is this guy or whatever. He gets it now. I mean, anything that he wants out of the crowd, he gets now from them, and th- and that's a big step uh, in his progression. He is able to kind of 
manipulate the crowd how he wants them to go, and he's very good at doing that. So I think, yeah, and, and him bumping for Goto sounds like something that's right up my alley. But uh, to your point, nobody's buying a ticket to watch Juice and Goto. They might say, oh, that's a good match. That's fun. But no one's saying, oh, man, I better buy the ticket tomorrow to see Goto versus Juice. No. So uh, your point it remains, you know, in that sense. Right. And then we're already into the semifinal, which is the three-way for the tag titles, which they're doing on both shows, which is interesting. Oh, so, I mean, <laughs> no three-ways. And again, Stop. I mean, that's not any kind of big drawing match either, and that's your yeah. semifinal. So... Oh, three ways. Well, let's talk. Stop, let's, Gato. Let's talk about it more when we get to the other show, since we have to talk about. Let's not yeah. talk about it twice. Uh, and then, uh, of course, the main event: Okada defends against Suzuki. You're all pumped up. I'm excited too. Um, Rich, percentage-wise, that you can see a title change here. Uh zero. Oh, you're going zero. Yeah. Okay. I don't think so. Uh, I don't know if I'd go zero. Um, look, I think Okada's winning. But I, 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 I would give Suzuki a, a 10 to 15 percent chance of winning this match. Um, this is the kind of year where if they're going to play around with the belt. This is typically when they do it, because then you have a couple opportunities to get it back on Okada before the, the meat of the year rolls around, whether it's yeah, you can win the cup or, or something like that. Yeah, something yeah, like that. Cup, so, they, yeah. they, you know, this is where you can play around with your title. And then, you know, but but here's the thing, too, if you're going to cycle the heel units in and out. Because, okay, you can make the argument, where do you go with Suzuki if he loses, right? Well, then you maybe you don't book Suzuki gone on the next. Right, he just, you know, he's out for, he comes back in invasion. You bring Bullet Club yeah. back on the next. Right, so, yeah, so exactly. There's sort of, there's advantages to this too, right? Where you can, like, Omega loses a big match, and now he just disappears for a while, and, and he comes back, like you were saying before, and comes back strong. It'd be, it's something I really like. I, I would love if WWE did more of that because they d- used to do it in, in, in American wrestling a lot where a guy would lose and he would just kind of go away for a little while. And, and you know, his, maybe his tag team, they, they would just kind of disappear for a little bit. They didn't just show up the next day on like undercards or they didn't show up the next day, you know, demanding a U.S. title shot now or whatever. It was it was kind of cool in that sense. And I think that helps keep everybody a little bit more fresh. You don't need just mindless, endless. And I know New Japan, that's not really their style. and That's not what they've done. But. We're seeing it already with this new beginning show, so maybe that is something they're going to start kind of doing a little bit, especially as it pertains to these big giant units, because it's exactly what we talked about at the end of last show. Is I just I get so I, I'm kind of sick of the units and they're kind of stale in my mind. But if they only come up every so often and they take turns or whatever, then I'm okay. Like this is going to be refreshing. To, oh, I have a whole you know month without Bullet Club. That's kind of cool. And then you know in April I have a whole month of no you know Suzuki going. Okay, that's good. That can kind of freshen them up because if it's just it'll become a drag on the show if just all those guys are always there and they're always in the same colors and they're always doing the same things you know what i mean like so that that's a good way to sort of stretch it out a little bit if they want to do that yeah and, i mean they, they, and and make it not as not as dry and rot with those guys same guys get repetitive every time. Yeah. and it's exactly they weren't, yeah. they weren't they were sort of forced this hand but i think that there are advantages that can come with it if they're creative with it and then we move on to osaka which i think is the both the stronger drawing card and i think the stronger in-ring card as well we've got yoshitatsu and harai kawato versus david finley and hanare that's your standard opener finley being moved way down the card. Um, Tenzan Kojima and Kushida against Tazaki, uh, Takashi Azuka, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and El Desperado. Just your standard issue six-man prelim there. Yuji Nagata, Juice Robinson, Jushin Thunder Liger, and Tiger Mask versus Goto, Yoshihashi, Jado, and Gato. If Jado's going to work all the shows, I mean, he is the pits. I mean, Jado might be the worst major league pro wrestler going. <laughs> it's not entirely his fault because he's got the bad back and he, you know, he did briefly retire and all that. But it, let's face it. Before that brief retirement, he was already looking old and unmotivated and not good. I mean, he's just not, he's just not a good pro wrestler anymore. So we've got Goto and Juice Robinson on the opposite side of an eight-man tag there. Fourth match on the card is Okada and Rapongi Vice versus Minoru Suzuki, Taichi, and Taka. So, see, they're not giving away the result of either match because they're just pairing all those guys off with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, again, kind of like sneaky booking. 
Then the business end of this card, we've got Tanahashi, Nakanishi, and Taguchi defending their newly won trios titles, which they're probably going to lose right back to Sonata, Evil, and Bushi. Mm -hmm. I mean, that title is... You're better off just predicting a title change every time there's a title. (laughs) Yeah, we should just do that, and then we'll just be right every time. And then if we're wrong, we're wrong. I was proud of quote-unquote wrestling Twitter, though, when they didn't... They they were like... There were like no complaints... There were, there were there were there were there were almost no complaints when Los and Gobernobles lost the titles the next night at New Year Dash, and I was very proud of wrestling fans for finally understanding what these titles are, which is meaningless. Is there anything more egotistical than calling your bubble of wrestling fans wrestling Twitter? I'm just, look, no, I know, I know, I know what like, you're doing, but it's just like you know, what, there's a lot I, of people else, that talk about what wrestling. What else am I supposed to call them? <laughs> no, I, I know, I know, like our bubble or something. I, I know people call themselves that and they pat themselves on the back like they're the only wrestling fans around yeah. Twitter. It's, like, it's kind of like, like your group of bubble fans are wrestling. No, you're not. No, you know what? You're not. You know what wrestling <laughs> Twitter is now? It has replaced the IWC as the annoying term, which is the all-encompassing term. Right. Which, like everyone's on the like no one says I like if you're still saying IWC at this point, everyone's on the fucking this is nineteen ninety six. And you're not connected to every wrestling fan on Twitter. Every wrestling fan on Twitter isn't a part of your little you know, circle of people that you talk to. There's a lot of you know, go follow you know, you, you don't follow the people that follow WrestleZone and, and comment on all their stuff. You know what I mean? Like that's a that's a segment too. They like are wrestling fans on Twitter. I uh, it just makes my skin crawl. I don't know why. It's, 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 IWC made my skin crawl too for like ten it's years. It's replaced so. IWC, that's it. Yeah, it, it, you're right, you're right. That's, it you know. So, uh, you know, those titles will probably change hands. But I was proud that that, that your New Japan fans, is that better, Rich? That works, yeah. Did, Our, yeah, did yeah. Go complain ahead. about <laughs> it and whine when they lost to that. Because these titles, I mean, it's just, you know, it's something for people to do in the mid-card. Exactly. They wanted that moment where Nakanishi could, could put his hands in the air and Confetti could come down and he could be all happy. That, that's all. And it was great. And for Tanahashi to act like it was a great thing. Yeah, exactly. In his yeah. new role. Which, by the way, have you seen his translated promos? We we nailed it with him being the automatic. Like he said, "Oh, I chose the Ace song because I am the Ace forever." Like, yeah, I'm was, the Ace till like I, I forgot he what it said, was. Yeah, I said I am Ace until I die. Ace until I die. Yes. He's the <laughs> right, ace. Is, so we nailed it that he's just like completely. It's just like, all right, okay, all right, Roshi. Yeah, you are okay. He's the guy right. who can't let go. Like he's gonna wear a shirt that says A's and everything. Okay, I'm you're the A's. I'm the A's. Okay, all right, yeah, you are. They won those titles and he was like air guitaring wearing the belt outside the <laughs> right. ring. Like it's like like you're the thirtieth never open weight champions. I don't know, tenth, sorry, I apologize. But okay. you know, like yeah, the, the, nobody has held the title for more than two defenses. Like, chill out, man. It's a nice <laughs> pop though when Nakanishi got the pin. No, I like all that. that. So uh yeah, and it, you know, it's um uh, I now I have to write a profile for that team in the book next year. But uh, <laughs> then we've got Shibata versus Ospreay. Possibly for the Rev Pro title, if Shibata can survive Matt Riddle. Now, this kind of this kind of screws yeah. the Rev Pro card because now we know Shibata's surviving Matt Riddle because Osprey. I don't know how you feel about this, but with Osprey going out of his way at New Year Dash to point at the belt and to tell Shibata, "You have something I want." What sense would it make now for Shibata to lose the title before Osprey gets the match with him? So this very clearly is going to be for that title. So, spoiler alert, if you're going to the Rev Pro show, Shibata's beating Matt Riddle. I mean, do, do, do you kind of pick that, that same sense, Rich, or what? Uh, yeah, because I, I doubt. Well, yeah, because then this match has no meaning then. It's just kind of like an endless, weird thing. Yeah, I, I, yeah, he is, which sucks. Because that'd be kind of fun for Riddle to win it, but yeah, not, not this time. And previous to that, you might not have necessarily, if you're into Rev Pro, you know, felt like that was a given. Because you've got Shibata, he's an outsider. Riddle's now, you don't know who's going to win that match. Now you do. Because Osprey specifically told Shibata he wants that belt. So if he doesn't have the belt coming into this match, it's like you just said, then what's the point of the match? 
So Shabbat is going to beat Riddle. He's going to defend against Osprey here. And then from there, you know, I, you know, we could probably talk about this as the show comes closer, but something to think about. And I had this discussion with some people on wrestling Twitter, Rich, but, um, you know, it, it's like, would it be, would it be beneath Shibata to lose this match to a junior, even though it's for an outside title? I think that's an interesting question to look at. I don't think it would matter. I don't think it would make a difference. I kind of see where people are coming from saying you can't have Shibata lose to a junior. I think in this situation you can though, because it's for another company's title. And I think if Shibata were to then say win G1, no one would fucking care or remember that he lost this match to Will Ospreay in February. Where do you stand on that? Yeah, I think because we look at the situation, you look at, you know, the idea that maybe you want him to move on to something else. You want him to sort of upgrade. And we talked about that never open weight title of, of him losing to Goto was less about Goto winning and Goto triumphing more than Shibata moving on. And Shibata you know, making it known that he's moved on or whatever. It might not be a bad idea to just have him lose to Osprey there because then you have, you know, Osprey, who's the local, you know, the, the guy who probably should have the British heavyweight title. You know what I mean? Like to have that British title is, is probably not a bad deal for him to have it. Shibata really at this point doesn't need it. Uh, I don't know if there's really a purpose of him having it anymore. So, yeah, if you're going to do it, it's, it's a, a star making moment for Osprey. And that's something that we've talked about. Um, you know, at length that 2017, like, let's go, let's get, you know, let's get something going with Osprey. And then they, they, they showed us a new year's dash. And, and I think this year as well, they're, they're showing that there is something going on here and they're trying to do a little bit more. I think this would be a good step in showing him get that big win. Cause I think this is yet another example of Shibata doesn't lose anything by losing this match. I think, yeah, he, of course he loses the title and maybe he loses to a junior or whatever, but I don't think that necessarily any, but like you're saying, if he goes then in an in invasion attack, does something big, uh, does a, a decent new Japan cup and then wins the G1, no one's going to give a shit that he lost the British heavyweight title to, you know, Will Ospreay in, in, in February. No one's going to care. Yeah. and But people might care about Will Ospreay and go, oh, man, Will Ospreay, remember when he beat uh, Shibata and, you know, that set the path of the rest of his year? I think it's way more of a defining moment for Ospreay than it is anything about Shibata. So, yeah, I, I don't think there's a big problem with that. I, I don't think it's a huge deal, especially in this, you know, 2017 New Japan. You know, Will Ospreay beating Shibata, it's not that big of a deal. It's fine. No, I think it helps Ospreay more than it hurts Shibata if they go Yeah, exactly. Out. But, I mean, I, with all that said, I think Shibata's going to win. So that was kind of a waste of time. But, uh, I, you know, I do think Shibata will win the match. But I, I don't think it's out, this outlandish thing where, it, you know, where Will Ospreay cannot possibly beat Shibata. I don't, I don't think it's a big deal at all. Um, and then, of course, they're going to do the tag title match again. Who do you think emerges when the dust settles with these tag team titles? I think it's impossible to predict. I'm, I'm kind of in the KS camp. I don't know. Where, where do you stand on that? I have that? no they, idea. I feel like you've got to give... Suzuki gun one of the titles, right? Like they got to win something. And if I don't think he's winning, you know, I don't think Suzuki's winning the main one. And I really, God damn, hope that Taichi and, and Taka don't win the tag titles. And you got to kind of give them something, right? And I, I feel like that's probably the best title for them to have at this point. But that speaks to your thing of, of do you then, do they just go away for a month or whatever? I, I don't know. I My initial thought when I saw them was, was David Boy Smith and Archer walking away with the titles. I don't know what caused that. I think I just thought that they wanted Suzuki Gun to have something. Because if they just come out here this entire weekend and these entire sets of shows and just lose, 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 then like what what what's what's the future of Suzuki Gun? Why even bother with them? Why even so one of them's gotta win, right? And I feel like they're the most obvious one to do that. Yeah, I just think it's bizarre they're doing the same match two shows in a row. I think it there's something we're missing here that we're not seeing that will become obvious after the first match. And I, I just I, I because otherwise I don't see what's happening here. I don't know why you do the same match twice in a row. I don't know why you do two title They're both title matches. I, it's just, I don't, I don't understand. Um, but they don't have a champion for the second one because who knows? That's, that's cool. They're always, they're always good about those titles. It doesn't show. It doesn't say who the champion is. Right. So, well, yep. we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see. I love it. It's just a nice little thing. I like that, that 
like I, I just can't imagine telling like the web guys. You know what I mean? Like that, that we always think about that. We always forget that it's like not the bookers that are updating the, the website and all that sort of stuff. But like the web guy, like somebody put C and they had to tell him, no, 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 they're not the champions because they might lose. You know what that's I mean? Right. Like it's a conscious thing that's like discussed in the offices of New Japan. I, I love this idea that like pro wrestling booking is like a part of like a boardroom meeting of like, okay, when we put the results up, make sure that you don't like, when we put the cards up, make sure you don't say this. I just love that. I don't know it's why. It's because you're used to companies that don't take that stuff seriously. Yeah, exactly. I, I just love this nice idea touch. that the web guys have like a little post-it note that says, don't put champion next it's, to, you know what I mean? The like, same, awesome. It's the same reason you like Josh Barnett's commentary because you come from a sports background. You, you're a sports fan. And this is the kind of stuff that appeals to you as a sports fan because they treat it seriously, you know? Uh, and then we've got Hiromu Takahashi versus Dragon Lee. Of course, this is the latest in the series of uh, Kamatache versus Dragon Lee matches. We don't know what's going on with Dragon Lee. I mean, this is post-Fantastica Mania, so he's clearly sticking around. He's working some of the tour dates, but not all of them. So they're going to send him home for a little while. He's going to come back for the back end of this tour, get the big title match in Osaka. And um, if he sticks around, I mean, between these two guys and Kushida and Will Ospreay and Ricochet and... Everybody else, all these other great juniors that they have. And the fact that they look, this is the semifinal of the Osaka show is the junior title match. It's not fourth match. You know, it's not fifth from the top. It's not the fourth match of the show. They're positioning this as the semifinal. Kushida's match with Hiromu at the Dome was one of the four big matches that they that they promoted as one of the four. Big, they're treating the junior title better. A lot of the credit goes to the great year Kushida had uh, elevating him to ace. And uh, this is another example of that. And I, I really, it, it looks like this year there's going to be a stronger focus on their juniors. And with the talent that they have, I don't think that's a mistake. Look, with these two guys, though, it's like we talked about going into Wrestle Kingdom. The bar is going to be super high because every match they have is a match of the year caliber match. So very much looking forward to it. I think these guys, you know, this is a classic. This is one of those great all-time pro wrestling rivalries. You put it up there with anything. Tiger Mask, Dynamite Kid. Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat, Okada, Tanahashi. I put these series of matches right up there with all of them. Uh, Osprey, Skrull. You want to go down that road. Osprey, Ricochet. This is right there. If and better than some of those. I mean, if you've never seen these two guys face, each other, yeah, very easy. To, very easy to find them as well. Just search up Kamatachi and Dragon Lee, and you'll find many a playlist. Mostly from uh, our good friend, the Cubs fan, has a really good playlist. He's got on every every match that yeah. ever made tape in yep. one playlist. With the exception of the Fantastic Mania match, which you can get on New Japan World, the one from last year. So if you're the kind of guy who doesn't watch Lucha, and you blow off the Fantastic Mania tour, and you've never seen these two people wrestle, I, I'm te- you're going to be blown away. I mean, they had a match in Ring of Honor, which was disappointing, and it was still three and three quarters. I mean, these guys, this is a classic pro wrestling rivalry. I'm pumped up for this, Rich. I can tell. I can hear. I mean, this, this could be <laughs> awesome. You know, it, yeah. it's it's it, because it has been. These guys deliver every time. And then you got the main event, Naito defending against Elgin. I Look, it, this is, you know, Elgin trying to avenge his injury and all that. But I think Naito retains and comes out of here with the uh, title. I, I don't give Elgin much of a chance at all to win the title. Uh, no, no, not at the trajectory there. He's on and the trajectory Naito is. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty obvious that Naito's winning here, especially in Osaka. So, yeah, yeah I, I agree. So, yeah, there's your new beginning cards. And then, of course, uh in between that big cork and show three big elimination matches. Rich Krejci is going to review. <laughs> Licking my chops right now thinking about he it. He loves so. this. The first one is uh, Kushida, Juice, Shibata, Hanma, and Makabe against uh, Gato, Jado, Osprey, Yoshihashi, and Goto. These are all. Oh, that sounds fucking awesome. No, I, I don't care. You know, yeah. 
Jokes aside, that sounds fucking. These awesome, are all so. five versus five, old school, nineteen eighty eight style, Rich. <laughs> everybody has too many people on the ringside. Yeah, not enough yes. room. The camera can't get to everybody. Throw a guy stuff. into the ropes, and his his partners have to move out of the way so he can come off the ropes because there's like 19 guys. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that's a nice. That's a nice. Yeah, that's a nice touch. That one I like. So, that, so. so then you've got Bullet Club against Chaos. It's uh, it's Rapongi Vice, Ishii, Yano, and Okada against Taka, Taichi, uh, Davy Boy Smith Jr., Lance Archer, and Minoru Suzuki. And then uh, a third uh, Survivor Series match here. We've got uh, the Los and Garbanobles team, all five of them. Listen to this match against Elgin, Tanahashi, Nakanishi, Taguchi, and Dragon Lee. That's the main event. This is going to be a good show, this Corican show, with these three elimination matches. I love the elimination matches. I know you hate them. Rich cannot stand elimination matches. Uh, he, he thinks they stink. He, he, there's nothing he'd rather watch less. I like a good elimination match. The opener, by the way, Hanare versus Oka. That's an interesting match. Okay, we get to see Oka against somebody other than Yuji Nagata for once against another young lion with Hanare. Yeah, that's a big that's a big step for Oka. I mean, that's kind of under yeah, sort of underreported, and, and who would care because it's Oka? But um, yeah, that's a big deal because that's the first real test of this guy of like okay, because Hanare is not really a polished guy either. But that's one of those things where you just kind of you know what i mean like that it, it they're putting them out there and they're saying okay now it's time like go go ahead like you're not gonna have you know the a veteran lead you through this these are two guys and like you know yeah young lions matches can be rough around the edges a little bit but we've been sort of spoiled as of late with, with the you know um taka and, and kabatsu and then jay white and david finley and all those guys we've had a lot of really good juniors or, or young lions lately these are, I mean, these two guys, they could be real eye-opening. Or it could be great. Who knows? It's, but one way or another, you have to find out what you got in Oka. I think Hanari, you're starting to see kind of, starting to see some of it kind of come through. But Oka's still really green. So uh, I'm fascinated by that match because I want to see what he does. So there you go. There's, uh, that's your new beginning cards. We'll do them in more detail as they come a little closer. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's new beginning. Cool. Uh, anything from Fantastic Mania that stood out for you that you're looking forward to? Well, Cubs fan wrote a preview. I think we should. Yes, he did. I think we should plug that. And he sort of went over sort of uh, the highlights and what you can uh, sink your teeth into in regards to that tour. Uh, I think he made a good point. I think in terms of big time matches, it might be um, kind of a step back from last year, maybe the year before. I think part of that is they're saving the. Hiromu versus Dragon Lee match for New Beginning, which also tells you the kind of faith that New Japan has in Dragon Lee and how much they like him. First of all, they flew him in to do a run-in and not even to work a match, which, which you know, just to, for that expense to show you the kind of faith they have in the guy. And then they're not burning his match with Kamatache on the, uh, I keep saying Kamatache, on, with Hiromu Takahashi on the Fantastic Mania Tour. They're putting out as the semifinal on one of the New Beginning shows. So, uh, we could find out, and Cubs fans speculates about this in the preview, that Dragon Lee might be spending a good amount of time in New Japan this year, and that might become clear by the end. January 20. Yeah, <laughs> January by, 20, by the end yeah. of the tour. So, well, January 20 in particular, he's got uh, a Carbonario uh, for the CML World Lightweight title that day, too. So that could be interesting as well if maybe, you know, Kevinario wins, then maybe Dragon Lee doesn't have the title, or it could go one way or another too, because he could have that title and sort of, you know, similar to how uh, Dorada had his title forever and you know never defended it in New Japan. But uh, it could be an interesting uh, result there, uh, January twenty. That's the Friday show when we get back to Cork and Hall. Is the show you're talking about? That's where yeah. it's uh, uh, Hiromu Takahashi uh, faces Teton, which can be an excellent match. And Dragon, yeah, that, that was, that's probably my favorite card of the entire uh, entire tour. I think I it think. should be. 
And then you have Dragon Lee, like you said, defending his CMLL lightweight title against uh, Kevin Ario. So yeah, for us high flyer fans, that's our uh, that's definitely our, our nice. Yeah, I'm gonna so. be 205 <laughs> live. Okay, uh, they, you know they, these guys aren't gonna be grabbing holds. Okay, they, they, these guys are gonna be flying all over the place and doing some crazy shit in those two matches. Those are gonna be excellent matches. Um, and then let's see uh, the highlights on the Saturday show. The main event is Maximo defending the CMLL heavyweight title against Hechicero. Maximo sexy is what Wikipedia says. Uh, there you so. go, Maximo sexy. Make sure, make sure you Maximo specify. Yeah, sexy. Look, he's been gone for. He hasn't been on the the last. He wasn't there last year. I don't recall if he was there the year before. But uh, I don't think so. I think he's been. It's been a while he's since been he's gone. Been he used to be a mainstay, so he'll defend that title against Hechicero. That's the main event, and man, that is a that's an odd main event. Cubs fan pointed that out as well. So, <laughs> not for me. Yeah, that, that's not one I, of my listen, favorite. Listen, I think that could be an excellent match, actually. But 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 I, Corkin's going to respond to anything, so it really doesn't matter. They love. Yeah, that that's one of my favorite parts about this tour is that because you think, oh my god, all these lucha matches in front of like a Japanese crowd, they fucking love it, man. They bring the air horns, vuvuzelas, they know the chants, they're all decked out and stuff that it is the coolest atmosphere of any like that's almost one thing like i don't really like lucha all that much but if i went to japan you know i would love to go to cork and hall and watch a fantastic mania show you know what i mean because it's like a the, the atmosphere just looks so fucking awesome would, like, they just love it i would love to go to a show like it's that. a party like everyone's dancing and, and like you can tell that they all kind of think it's kind of fun you know what i mean it's not like it's an everyday thing like they they kind of let their they don't do what they would normally do if it was a normal show it was a new japan show they wouldn't do this stuff but it's a cml show so they they adapt to that company and adapt to that wrestling style or what i i love that it's it's really cool because you wouldn't get that you know what i mean like if, if cml did a show in you know Dallas, Texas, it wouldn't be that way. Or if they did it, you know what I mean. Yeah. But there's something about that where they're just like those fans are like they all agree that when they're walking in, like let's make this awesome, let's make this fun. And I always one of my favorite tours of the year. And, every and the year. hardcore New Japan fan follows CMLL, so they're familiar with the characters. They know the gimmicks. They know what's going on, and that helps right. too. Yeah, there's an awareness, too. It's not like, oh, who's this guy? Oh, they know everybody, which is really cool. Those Friday night streams or whatever air on New Japan World. If mm-hmm. you're in Japan, I mean, we can't watch them here because they're region blocked, but, you know, they follow the product. The semi-main event on Saturday is Atlantis versus Rush. And I'll tell you, me and Cubs fan, we're seeing eye to eye on a lot of things uh, CMLL related because, like me, he agrees. Rush is always very disappointing in New Japan. I mean, do you feel the same way? I feel- oh, yeah. Yeah, he sucked. He sucked in the World Tag League. He was awful. He, he was like – never actively- listen, he's never good in New Japan. Yeah, I, I, I asked a question on Twitter and everybody kind of gave me the same because I was like – it. it because I, I didn't remember his past New Japan stuff, but I said, is Rush always this bad when he comes to New Japan? Because he was horrible during the World Tag League. It looked like he didn't know what the hell was going on at any point. There was one match where he botched like seven things, and it wasn't necessarily like nearly killing people botches or whatever, but it was just Stop. like he never Stop. knew where to be. He was always in someone's way. He was on the ring, you know, in the ring when he wasn't supposed to be. He was didn't catch somebody when they dove. He, you know, he went to the wrong turnbuckle when they wanted him to go to the other. You know what I mean? Like it was just like dumb stuff like that. It's like, what are you doing, dude? Like, what, where's your head at? Where are you right now? Because he's he's just like I don't know what it was, and it's always it was the entire tour too. He just never seemed to be in the right place at the right time during that entire tour. It was terrible. And he- Never looks. He he strikes me as a guy who looks like he doesn't give a shit. I don't know if that's just his part of the gimmick. I don't know, but it seems very easy if you don't give a shit to just say I don't want to go over, and they go, okay, don't worry, you don't have to go over that. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to go. I don't think. I, you know, I watch him in Mexico, and he seems like a different guy. I don't know. That's what I don't understand. Yeah, why is that? Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know what it is. Not. And this is what I'm saying. This is why, I like, like I talked about earlier in the show, it's interesting to see different wrestlers in different environments and how they respond. He never does a good job in New Japan. So we'll see how that match with Atlantis goes. Look, Atlantis isn't getting any younger. Okay, so I don't know. that. That's a match that could 
<laughs> not be that good if uh, you know if things go you know the way I'm afraid they could. And then the final show on Sunday, we've got Ultimo Guerrero versus Volador Jr. I mean, look, I I can't imagine that that wouldn't be good. Um, at least to guys like us, Cubs fan makes a great point in this preview though. They're going to run through all the spots that you know a CMLL fan has seen a million times. For a guy like Rich Krejci, who never watches Lucha, you're probably going to think this is a much better match than somebody like Cubs fan does, or Rob Viper, or whoever, right, who's, right, right. who's seen these guys have this match uh, probably a million times at this point. So, um, so yeah, that's the that's the big match on Sunday. Let's see. Oh, and then we've got Mystico versus uh, Euphorio, and then we've got um, Kevin Ario teaming up with Hiromu Takahashi versus uh, Dragon Lee and Teton. So, and they're also doing that same tag match in Osaka. Now, as far as the television schedule, the three Corican matches will air on New Japan World, and the match that's ha- and the card that's happening a few hours as we record this, the, the show on the 14th, that's going to air on Japanese television, and so that'll eventually pop up if people want to see that bad enough. Um, yeah, something like a week later, a few days later, we, we don't know exactly when, but yeah, it'll pop up at some point. But the middle shows, from what I understand, aren't airing at all. Unless I have my information wrong, uh, I don't think you're wrong. Yeah, it's very weird. Yeah, not for yeah, not for the ones until next week. Do they start showing up? So, yeah, it's, it's a little weird. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. So, so hey, listen, it, you, there's really not. You know, look, it, that Friday night is the night to look at that because that's where you've got the Teton Hiromu match and the Dragon Lee um, Kevin Ariel match. Now, look, some of these tags are going to be very entertaining because you're going to have people like Will Ospreay. And how does Will Ospreay not get a big-time singles match on this? Yeah, tournament? that's kind of disappointing. I'm a little disappointed by it. I that, mean, you've got to be disappointed by it. How does that happen? I mean, you've got all these luchadors here. You can't stick Ospreay in there in a singles match against somebody and, and just let them flip around for, for eight, nine minutes? I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, what are we doing here? I mean, that's... I don't know. They just keep dropping the ball, Willow Spray. And maybe it's because of his attitude. Maybe he is a pain in the ass, and maybe that's what precludes them from pushing him. Um, I, I don't know what the reason is, um, but I mean, I just look. They've got, what, a year and three months left with this guy to do something significant, and the Shibata match is a good step. But I don't know how you have him on this tour. Yeah. How do you not do <laughs> Willow Spray versus Volador Jr. at some point? I mean, how great would that be? If politics come into play, just beat Spray. Who cares? He never wins anyway. I mean, what's the big deal, right? I mean, would that be a big problem? Well, you know uh, what? I guess it would be if he's got the Shibata. You know what? That's true. Yeah, right. There it we is. We just yeah. answered our own question. He's got the he's Shibata win. match coming, so you, <laughs> right. you can't give him singles matches because then he has to win them. So, exactly. Right. All right. Well, there we go. We just talked ourselves, uh, you know, uh, you know, we just explained that to ourselves inadvertently. So uh, we could have – We listen, Rich. We can make ourselves. I'm down for Maximal Sexy versus Will Osprey in that uh, <laughs> World Heavyweight title. Listen, we can use the power of editing and make ourselves sound real smart by explaining why Will Osprey does not have a. Yeah, too lazy. That's fine. Yeah, I'd rather just sound like an idiot. And then We're already beat. Have people have people correct us on Twitter and then listen 20 seconds later yes. to us actually answering that. We That's will guarantee favorite. to get one tweet that says he can't have a singles match because then he has to win because he's facing Shibata. And then 20 seconds later, we get another tweet that says, oh, okay, you guys just said that. that yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that happens every single time. So yeah, just keep listening to the show, but that's uh fantastic. We like all of you, even though you do that, we, we love you all. So, and go by Mac Walton. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Uh, VO wrestling is the code yep. for 20% off. Um, so yeah. What are the three dates on the fantastic mania on the, um, Cork and shows there? Oh, I just closed it, you bastard. <laughs> I thought you had it. Uh, one second. You asshole. All right, let's see. One second. One second. Nobody cares. They can look it up themselves. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, who cares? 
<laughs> trying to be. Oh God, it's translating terrible. Oh, what is going on here? Play guy. No, no, this is bad. It's, it's uh, on the fourteenth, and then it's uh, twenty twenty one and twenty two. That's yeah, the, it's, whatever. Yeah, it's yeah next yeah, weekend. There you go. So look, yep. there's your your weekends are all sorted out here. This weekend we got the WWE UK tournament. The following weekend you've got your three Fantastic Mania shows, and the weekend after that is the Royal Rumble weekend with all the WWN live stuff and the Royal Rumble. We got yeah, three, it's good. three good weekends coming up. You're wrestling. Yeah, it's nice calming. Yeah, usually like a lot of times wrestling packs in everything in the same weekend. That's pretty good. You got you know three weekends now to kind of spread out a little bit. Oh, the shows aren't too overwhelming. A little bit of you know three shows, Fantastic Mania, you know two of these you know WWE UK stuff, and then yeah, that Royal Rumble stuff sounds pretty cool. So it's a good little uh, good little month that we have here in January. Three very different weekends too. It's not, you know, it's like the UK tournament's going to be vastly different than Fantastic mm-hmm. Mania, and then you've got the big Royal Rumble weekend, which also falls on the bye week before the Super Bowl. So it doesn't get interfered with any of that stuff. WWE usually does that, though, right? They usually don't. They're pretty smart about that. Yeah, they don't want to go up. To, they don't have pay-per-view on the same night as the, as the championship Super Bowl. or that's, even yeah, the championship that's... games or anything like that. They yeah, usually try yeah, to avoid that. that. So, uh, which is smart on their end. Speaking of WWE, I believe that's uh, the next topic on the dance yep. card here, Rich. Uh, do you want to do? Yeah, well, so let's talk about the UK tournament, I guess, right? Yeah, let's so, do it. Yeah. We're not going to preview it. I think that would be a mistake. I, I don't know about you. I'm not familiar with probably half the field. I've never seen half of these guys work a match. So I can't sit here and competently preview these first round matches. The brackets are yeah. out. Yeah, um, I'm the same way. I, I'll record on our website. If, if you're like Joe and I, and you're like, ah, oh, geez, you know, I know, you know, Mark Andrews, I, I know the few of the guys, I know Pete Dunn, I know those sort of guys, but don't know the other ones. Uh, Ali Court did a very good preview on our website, voicewrestling.com. Uh, basically, it's titled, Who Are the, you know, the WWE UK competitors? Because there's a lot of guys that that even he can say, eh, you know, I, I kind of don't know this guy all that much. And he's, you know, ingrained, you know, he's the host of the Brit Rest Roundtable. Like, he knows this stuff and he knows everything. But it's still like, there's some of these guys are really unknown. So someone like you and me and someone like, uh, you know, most casual, fans or people that are not you know really into the european wrestling scene a lot of these guys you're not going to know a lot about so that's a really good guide but yeah i'm not really confident in breaking down every single match in the first round because i, I don't know i've never seen a lot of these guys work so it, it seemed disingenuous in that standpoint also because we're recording this on friday the 13th um which oh by the way there's a full moon on friday the 13th that's that's not good sucks for Terrifying. michelle at work Terrifying. <laughs> yeah i didn't i just noticed that i'm looking out my window I'm like oh god the moon's huge um and it's looking right at me that's very scary but uh yeah uh <laughs> Did you see that one thing earlier where there was a, a flight going to Helsinki and it was flight 666 and it was on Friday the 13th? How do they not just make that flight 667? I, mean, I know, just like skip 666. Like, and it landed. It landed in HEL on Friday the 13th and it was flight 666. That, that is amazing. And yeah, I would have, if I was the pilot, I'd have been like, just call it, we're calling it flight 667. Sorry. You know, just like, I, and I'm not a super, I'm not really that type of guy either, but just in case. I don't want to fuck with that. There's too many things there. That's too many converging things. I'm not superstitious either, but I don't fuck around with flights. I mean, that's where I do get a little, you know. That's why I can't sleep on flights. Because people are always like, ah, you can sleep. I'm always nervous on flights. That's why I never want to, like, because I don't want to wake up to, like, chaos. I want to be awake the entire time. You know what I mean? And that's why I can never sleep on planes. It's terrible. Yeah. I always, like, assume. I've been on many flights and nothing has ever gone wrong. But, I, just, you know, I mean, I don't want to be sleeping when, you know, the shit goes down. So. Yeah, but I mean this uh, this UK. Sorry, anybody who's listening to this on a flight. There's probably people listening to this on a plane. You're safe. You're fine. That's a good it's point. Not the 70s anymore. Yeah, that's a good point. People listen to this stuff on flights. Yeah, the 70s was the wild west of, of flights. You're you're pretty good these days. You know, the, the airline traffic was pretty bad in in the 70s, but not, I think you're okay now. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> now that we've feared, everybody's scared. But 
So the bracket's rich for this tournament. <laughs> I think uh, if, if you look at the way the brackets are laid out, it sure looks to me it's pretty convenient uh, that you have Pete Dunn, Mark Andrews, Tyler Bate, and Trent Seven all in opposite brackets, which would make sense for a uh, Final Four. But one guy who's getting a lot of attention from a lot of the UK insiders as someone who is really the name to watch here is, is Jordan Devlin. He's in the same – first of all, he's taking on Danny Birch in the first round, who is also another one of the known commodities. That uh, Martin Stone, right? That's Danny Birch. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Uh, you know, so he's a guy who's Florida-based at this point, but they're, they've flown him in. Um, he was a late addition along with Mark Andrews and I think someone else as well, and they bumped three of the guys. But uh, so that's, a, that's probably – you know, that that's the first round matchup with two guys that I would think are, are two of the more well-known guys, Devlin versus Birch. It's it wouldn't be out of the question, I think, for either Devlin or Birch, but more likely Devlin, because Birch is a guy who's been on the WWE radar forever. He's been in their system. He's works NXT. He's done um, enhancement matches in NXT. I would think that Devlin gets by Birch. But even if Birch does win, it wouldn't shock me if either of those guys knocked off Tyler Bate. Tyler Bate's 19 years old. He's a big-time prospect. He's probably going to be a star, but this might not necessarily be his time. I think Bates' bracket is the most unpredictable because he has Devlin and Birch in his bracket. Uh, But but you look around, I mean, I think Andrews is getting through. I think Dunn is most certainly getting through. And I would think that Trent Seven's getting through only because he's the the biggest name. Although my man T-Bone is in that bracket, Rich. Don't sleep on T-Bone. Don't sleep on T-Bone, okay? And a lot of people like that Wolfgang, too. But again... We're not the right guys to break this down. I mean, go to Brit Wrestling Roundtable for that. I mean, those guys will do a much better job breaking this tournament down than we ever can. What I really wanted to talk about, Rich, is bigger picture. There's probably, according, now this is straight from Triple H's mouth, probably going to be a one-hour network show, a UK wrestling show. They're going to crown a champion here this weekend. And then from there, we don't know any of the details. I would assume that they'll probably do mass tapings once per quarter or, you know, something similar that they do with NXT where they'll just, you know, do mass tapings and put a bunch of shows in the can. But there's going to be a network show, a UK show, based around this title. Uh, we've got Raw. We've got SmackDown. We've got NXT. We've got 205 Live. We've got Main Event. And now we're going to have this UK show. If you're a WWE fan, hardcore fan who wants to watch it all, that's six shows now that you got to commit your time to every week, plus Talking Smack, plus if they decide to do their, their wannabe fake argument show that they did after Raw a couple weeks ago, which they didn't do. What were they calling that? I don't even remember. Oh, I forgot what the hell that was called. I didn't watch it. I have no desire to watch it. Paul, <laughs> Paul Heyman and JBL doing a... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you probably couldn't pay me to watch that. I mean, that, give so. me a break. But, but, but my point here is that's six wrestling shows now. And look, I'm all for this because... When they rolled the network out, our big argument was, give us more wrestling. You have a yeah. network. Put wrestling mm-hmm. on the damn thing. But now, okay, they're going to do a women's tournament at some point later this year. They keep backing that up. This was going to be the time of year they were going to do the women's tournament. They're going to do it later in the spring, maybe the summer. And who knows? That might spawn a women's show. Now there's talk of doing a Latin American championship and a Japanese championship, similar to this UK deal. And then who knows? Maybe those spawn television shows. At this point, now you're looking at seven, eight, nine, ten shows every week that this company is producing. Again, Rich, I have no problem with it. Give us more content. You don't have to watch it all. Pick the shows you like and watch them. But, but 
Here's my theory, and I want to know what you think about this. Yeah, go ahead. I think with, with WWE with one eye on New Japan and, and signing up all of these indie names sort of so to, to not allow the indies to gain momentum, which is a lot of people's running theory, signing up these UK names to not allow ITV and to gain momentum with their World of Sport deal and, and sort of nip that in the bud. And then, uh, you know, do you think it's this deal where now they say, you know what, they've realized that they have this network with unlimited hours to just, you know, they can put all kinds of con- their own content on here. There's no restrictions. Do you think what WWE is trying to do, because this is kind of what I think they're doing, is kind of take the hardcore wrestling fan and just have them put their, you know, you have all these different streaming services from Flow Sports to, uh, you know, all these companies have their own streaming services. Now, maybe this is WWE's way of sort of funneling fans to WWE Network and overwhelming them with so much content that you won't have time to watch other streaming services, to follow other companies, to invest your money in other places. Because, look, we're giving you 10 shows a week. We're giving you everything you could possibly want. We're giving you British wrestling. We're giving you Japanese wrestling. We're giving you women's wrestling. We're giving you cruiserweights. Whatever tickles your fancy, Rich, we have it here. It's a one-stop shop. Do you think there's a little bit of that going on? Do you think that's the grander plan for WWE here? Yeah, I, I do. I, I think maybe a little bit differently than you said, because you, you sort of framed it as they want to overwhelm the fan and have the fan go, oh, my God, there's no way that I can watch the other stuff. I don't know if it's necessarily that as much as they want to be the alternative. And that's what you kind of talked about at the, the back end. If you're a fan of WWE and you go, I don't really like the stuff anymore. I don't really like the story. I don't like the wrestlers. I don't like the story. Whatever. Whatever your complaint is about main roster WWE, they have alternatives right here. You don't have to go far. You might think it's a little different because it has different guys in there. You know, NXT has has these guys that you kind of like. And and maybe you're really into the UK stuff and you like that sort of stuff. Or you're really into Japan and they, they have a really good Japan weekly show going on or whatever. Where, wherever you are in the world, too. I mean, you have a show that might be specific for you that's for your audience. And that's also an alternative for the other fans as well. I think that's really the big thing is that they, they are your alternative now. That if you say, I'm sick of watching you know, Raw and SmackDown for three hours. Every, they have the alternatives right there. You don't have to go far. You already subscribed to this thing. Here you go. Here it is. It's right here. And we've been we've been beating that over the head from the beginning of the WWE Network is let let your network be it. Let it be the be-all, end-all for wrestling if you want to do that. I mean, personally, I don't want to do that because I think that, you know, it'd be good to have competition, healthy competition or whatever. But this is kind of, in a way, they're creating their own competition. They're creating their own, you know, bunch of... I, Ron SmackDown, they're not really different brands. These are, in my mind, somewhat of different brands. I'm not going to call them, you know, I'm not going to say that NXT is the number two brand in the world or, you know, like not that silly stuff. But these are, in their sense, they're kind of their own little entities, their own little things that are happening that if you want an alternative, you want something different from what you're getting every week, uh, every Monday and every Tuesday for three hours in USA, they have your alternatives right here. If you're in the UK, you got this. You're in the So that's what I think it is. And I don't know if it's necessarily the overwhelming aspect that you mentioned, which it, that does play into it though, I think. But I think that's for the completest people. I don't know that every wrestling fan really represents that where they have to watch every single thing. But I think more than anything is that you always have an alternative. That if any point you sign into WWE Network and go, I don't really want to watch that, they got something for you. If you just want to leave that network on all day, they have something for you now. They have actual relevant content for the first time in a long time. That original stuff that's coming in here, and it's original. It's wrestling. It's not Legends House. It's not so, that sort of stuff. It's a wrestling show, and they're basically saying that we are your alternative. If you don't like this or this, 
We have all this now for you. You, you don't have to go anywhere else. You don't have to go onto Ring of Honor. You don't have to subscribe to Flow Slam. You don't have to subscribe to WXW. You don't have to subscribe to Progress. And and to be fair, what we're going to see in the next you know little bit that that could become a little bit more tricky too. They might be even grab some of these other companies too. We we know that there there's there's a lot of working going on here. There's a lot of relationships being you know small little relationships being built here that could become big things where they have everything on that one network right there and all your alternatives, everything that you would never need to watch is going to be there. And yeah, you can subscribe to Flow Slam if you want WWE. You can subscribe to Flow Slam if you want this, this, and this, or whatever. But we have everything else here. We're a one-stop shop for nine ninety nine. I mean, they're they're giving you look. If you want British wrestling, they're giving you a British show with a self-contained title, with its own self-contained little universe. Uh, they didn't go out and get the biggest stars. A lot of them weren't at their disposal because they were under contract to other places. A lot of them didn't take the deal. But I think they got enough now. They got half a dozen guys who are fairly big stars, you know, who are named guys that they can build this show around. Uh, you know, if you if if they you want indie wrestling, they've got NXT for you, which is basically an indie show. You know, and if, if they do the Japanese and if, and the, the Latin American thing, who knows? Is that going to be a lucha? Maybe that'll be lucha for all we know. Mm-hmm. It's just it, it's. I feel like what they're trying to do here is they they're trying to nip these other services in the bud before they can even gain any momentum, overwhelm their consumers with so much content that you won't even think about purchasing another over-the-top service because they've got everything for you. They've got the, like you said, they've got the options for you. Like, to put it in the consumer's mind, like, how could I possibly think about spending $20 a month for Flow Slam or $10 a month for New Japan World? Or ten dollars a month for demand progress, or whatever the case may be. Five ninety nine a month for Powerbomb TV, whatever. Name your your service of choice. When look at all of the the the, the in ring content I'm already getting for my nine ninety nine that I don't even have time to watch it all as it is. So when am I going to squeeze time in to watch New Japan, or or take advantage of my Powerbomb subscription, or watch Flow Slow, uh, Flow Slam, which by the way. For twenty dollars a month, I mean that just isn't worth it at this point. I mean they just not enough content. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it, it's. I, I'm subscribing right now because I, I of course want to watch the evolve stuff. Yeah. But yeah, it's getting to the point where you're like, all right, well, you know, what's next? You know, you gotta add some more. And eh, we had a lot of acquisitions, and nah, there's been a lot of acquisitions lately. So yeah, it's starting to uh, that value is starting to be a, a, a real concern because that that twenty bucks is, is is not worth it right now. And that's I like their service and I like their I, I, I like a lot about what they're doing, but yeah, it's not. It, they need more. Look, they and didn't get not, Ring of Honor. That was a big blow. Yeah, they they, and, they swung and missed on that, and that's and huge. that was a, they didn't get New Japan, which they said they wanted. Right, and Kadani's not playing ball with that. And look, they, hell no. Look, <laughs> they're not getting. They're not going to get New Japan or CMLL because what what's the incentive of those companies to do that? They stream on their own. They have deals. Right. Know, they're not sharing the money with you. Why, why are they, we sharing they, the money? You know, yeah, CMLL just threw ours is reliable. It looks good. We have a great website and a bunch of subscribers. We don't need you. you know, There's CML, no benefit to you yeah, yeah. for New Japan. And then CM, from CMLL's point of view, they have three streams a week already with, with Claro or whatever. What do they, what do they need yeah. a full slam for? You know, so they're not going to get those guys. They swung a miss on Ring of Honor, which was a big miss, and they haven't been able to talk the British companies into doing it. Uh, Rev Pro, I mean, they're obviously been very successful because I don't know if you just saw. They had to change. They get rid of all their licensed music on their shows, and they're using, you know, generic, um, you know, public domain songs now because they're, they're, uh, you know, because according to the people who run the company, their streaming service is so successful, it's become too expensive to use licensed music. 
Right, which is a, a, so, a gift and a curse because we've heard uh, when Full Sam was getting off the ground that that was a big point of contention for some of these companies that they were approaching. They were saying, okay, yeah, you can have our archives, but what the hell are you going to do with all this music? And it was like, oh, geez, because like, that's a huge undertaking then, too. Because if you grab one of these companies, and let's say, for instance, let's say Ring of Honor did go to Flow Slam or whatever, just to get that archive up, you got that. Now the plan is, okay, what the hell do we do with this archive? We don't have the man hours to go through every Ring of Honor show and cut out this stuff. If it became a big deal and a bunch of people subscribed, like we see, that that's a thing, too. So you got to remember that plays into it as well. WWE doesn't have that issue, they own everything. And whatever they don't own, they have the manpower to take it out. Right. Right. So if they bought, say, say out of some weird odd odd scenario, they bought Ring of Honor or whatever, they bought the archives to Ring of Honor. They have the man hours to go through and cut that stuff up if they really wanted. They've got to. twenty people at MLB Advanced Media who take all that stuff out and, and exactly. So they could. I mean, they're the only hypothetical one that could do that. So it, again, we we get to this thing where, and again, I don't want you know I wouldn't root for this. I like alternatives. I like you know other companies reaching up here. But obviously WWE and they're starting to get smart about this too because I thought somebody it was a really good point somebody brought up on Twitter. I, I forgot who it was that said this weekend there's like four or five touring WWE brands right now. I mean, even from a live attendance standpoint. Your alternatives are right there. And they're the law. Of, you know what I mean? Like, if you live in Kentucky right now, you're at an NXT show. There's oh, a Raw so what house do they show mean? somewhere. So there, there's a Raw, a SmackDown, an NXT National, and an NXT Florida all torn at once. So there's like. And WWE UK. So it's five. If oh, you really right. To. There you go. So yeah, you're right. So they have five, five I mean, active tours at one time. And that's something that if they. And I don't know that they're going to always have these tours going active, but if, you, if we, in this, our hypothetical situation, think about this, they could have a little Japan tour running every so often. You know what I mean? Of these, you know, some freelance dudes or whatever. They could be your alternative. Even from a live event standpoint as well. Right. And that's a scary thought for people as well because that's, you know, that's a big deal if they can do that and, and, and do it well. I mean, we're seeing with this UK, it's obviously they're not the top stars, but you look at some of the guys here, it's not a, and when, when, you know, they announced Mark Andrews in the last, that's a big name to get in at the last moment too. I mean, he was announced, what, a, a week or so ago? Well, yeah, his TNA contract was out. So yeah, exactly. So they waited up. So people are like, oh, geez, there's not a lot of whole, you know, there's only a few names here that are worth anything. And then you announce a Mark Andrews. And that, that's something that could happen a little bit more. I mean, we think in, you know, in, in your mind, you go, okay, well, if they go to Japan, who could they get or whatever? You don't know. I mean, they, there could be guys that, you know, their contract's up and they go, yeah, you know, yeah, I'll do this, whatever. I'll sign your little soft, you know, lowercase e exclusive contract. And then I can do your stuff. And then I can also do, you know, a fortune dream show, or I can do these little things, but I'll supplement my income with those sort of things and do your stuff. I mean, that's, they've, they might have figured out a really good little market here, it, it's, um, it's, and it's see, it's interesting. Yeah, Japan's going to be the tricky one and the interesting one to watch play out because loyalty is a big deal, and exactly. and it's going to be hard to get people that are loyal to go. Yeah, WWE, I'll do that. I mean, we we see a few times, and 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 these guys will go over, but to be the you know disloyal in your own country would be not the best move. <laughs> like, because if WWE one day says, "Ah, we're done with this," fuck you, that guy screwed that. And you're then you're Koji Kanemoto. Right, and you're but, just like, please book me. Oh, that's so sad. The, the, <laughs> he's so good. He's a, I mean, you know, he's got a rep of being a giant asshole. I know. Well, I mean, yeah, look at him. You can tell he is, but. But, but, <sighs> but I mean, you, you know, Japan, it's like, you know, New Japan's going to have their guys locked up. So none of those guys are going to be an option. And it's like a, a company like Dragon Gate. I mean, again, the loyalty. I mean, you're not, you know, it, it, guys, you, you might get one or two. I mean, look, I think what they're going to have to do in Japan is go after these disgruntled, disenfranchised guys who are struggling with your Wrestle Ones or your places like that, but you're still going to run into a loyalty issue. There's still loyalty to the place that trained you. So they're going to have to make it up with freelancers for the most part. But that's a bridge that we can cross when we get there. Absolutely. But what I thought, another interesting thing real too, before we move on, 
something that we've and, and any wrestling fan in the uh, quote IWC, you know, back in the day always said, oh, man, they should have territories. You know what I mean? It would be really cool if they had territories all over the country or all over, you know, North America. And these guys could move here and do this sort of thing. This is something that we're not at that point yet. And I don't know if we're going to be at that point right away. But they're almost low key creating that sort of atmosphere where if it becomes something, you can move a guy to this UK tour and he runs the UK tour for a little bit. You know what I mean? Like you have one or two dudes go there and do the UK stuff. You can have one or two guys go to Japan. And again, like this is when they, this is a real big hypothetical that they're going to be taping these things and doing all this sort of stuff. But, you know, we saw it a little bit with Tyson Kidd when he went to NXT for his little run because he had nothing to do. This is something that, you know, we've, as, you know, fans of the RBC, that's something that's been talked about for years and years and years is, oh man, WWE, they should make a territorial system, not just developmental, but have these guys work in different atmospheres and work in different areas. I mean, think of the possibilities there. If you have a, you know, especially if we're talking about Latin America or whatever, you could have a guy go over there. It's a big deal, and create a whole new buzz of of of, of fandom in in North in, in Latin America, and, and even those guys that maybe unheard of guys in Latin America can can work those guys and get some big publicity or whatever. I mean, this is they've really if they go full on with this and really do stuff with this. I mean, the, the possibilities are endless this, of what they can this do. This was Shane McMahon's idea ten years ago. Exactly right, and we saw that, and it popped up again, you know, a few weeks ago when he had that article. That you know, do these worldwide territories. It, I, I don't know if we're there yet. I don't know if we're going to be there very soon. But the, it looks like the building blocks are there if you want to do something like that. Yeah, I mean, th- this is something that Shane McMahon pitched at least a decade ago. It may have even been longer than that. Now I, I don't know what year. It was probably longer than I think it was more like two thousand three, two thousand four, right? I don't know when it was, but it was, uh, you know, this was his idea to, to to put little territories everywhere, and this is essentially uh, the start of, of of what they might be doing. Um, look, I, I I really believe that they they are this this is the a preemptive strike um, by the biggest company in the world to sort of snuff out all these little startups, especially. I think Flow Sports got their attention because of the money involved. Um, because they really do have have I mean you know they they paid they paid WWN Live three point five million dollars over five years I mean that makes WWN Live I mean that they're a big boy player when they're being paid that kind of money you know that's millions of dollars um, which makes it all the more embarrassing when they're running shows in a fucking forest over oh the my weekend God. which and look and here's the thing I blame Flow Sports for that because let me tell you something Rich if I'm working for that company and Look, we understand Jeremy Botter got fired, and he was the guy who was going to these WWN shows. He was the rep who was flying out to these shows and, and, and as the Flow Sports rep. And I don't know that they've even replaced him in that position yet. I don't think they have, and it's I don't even know if they have reps at these shows. But let me tell you something, Rich. If Joe Lanza's the Flow Sports rep, and I fly down to Florida to go to this style battle show and this FIP show, and look, I understand that there was confusion with the other venues. So they had to move it across the street. But if I'm Flow Sports and I cut them a check for $3.5 million and they're presenting their product in a venue like that, I am throwing a fit until they do something to fix it. Put up mm-hmm. a fucking curtain. Oh, I pulled the plug until they fix that. I, I, I am honestly not say, putting no, no, no. this yeah. on my service until you run a proper show. It's yeah, embarrassing. Agree. You're mm-hmm. paying them $3.5 million. And that's the shit that you're feeding the customer for $20 a month when WWE Network is half the price, $9.99 a month for the quality that you get on there. New Japan World is 8 bucks a month for the quality you get on there. And you're, and, and you're allowing WWN Live because let me tell you something. If I'm Gabe Sapolsky 
Okay? Why wouldn't I cut corners if they're going to let me? I put this on Flow Sports. You're paying them that kind of money. Hold them to that standard. Force them to be a big boy and not look like a little shindy operation, which is what they look like. Okay? I'm sorry. Okay, these WWN offshoot shows, that was embarrassing this week. That was a bad, yeah, that was not a good look for anybody. Let me tell you something, Rich. I didn't watch the shows. I saw the gifts and everything else. It was embarrassing. Here's what else is embarrassing. I can tell you all about the forest they ran in and the embarrassing venue and how it was freezing cold and how there were 20 fans there and how it looked and, and, and there's ferns growing in the background and everything else. But I could not tell you today who won the style battle tournament. And I could not tell you today what the main event was of the FIP show. You know why? Because the fucking trees and the foliage that everyone was joking about in real time is what the real story was coming out of those shows. It was the fucking garbage atmosphere and the garbage venue that they ran, which became the story. I still don't know who won that tournament. Because all the talk was the fucking the plant life in the, bar- in the embarrassing venue. How does Flow Slam allow this? You're paying them millions Millions of dollars, Rich. You're giving them three point five. And you're not using that hypothetical. I mean, we legitimately know how many millions. <laughs> That's yeah, exactly. Put up a fucking curtain. Yeah, and it, it, people can bring that up all the time about expenses and all that sort of stuff. It, it is not that expensive to make something look decent. It's just, it, it's effort, and that's all it is. And that's what, when I saw that last weekend, and, and we talked about it on the Slack chat uh, with our staff members, and that was one of our big things, is I said, it's not really expense. It's not really. It's it's effort. It's a conscious thing of when you show up at this venue, and you go, no, 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 we cannot put the ring there. And if we have to put the ring there, then we got to figure out something. we got to tarp this off, find a curtain. You know, it, it's not that hard to find a damn black curtain or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, if you really necessarily need to it's effort it's having a a state of mind that it is important that our our what we do looks good that it looks professional that it looks like we're an actual business a multi-million dollar business that is very important because that's what you are now you are a multi-million dollar business because we we know that we know this company gave you and and like that is the thing it's not you know i see it all the time of oh well they're in india whatever it's not Not that anymore it is effort and you're not an indian yeah you're a big boy now okay they cut you a big boy check it's time to behave like one why am I going to pay? And I tell you, I'm the perfect example. I am the prime demographic of what Flow Slam is chasing. Why? Why would the, Joe Lanza should be paying for this service? You know why I don't? Because it looks like a second class operation. WWN Live runs like a second class operation. And look, Evolve has, is they've made some improvements. Okay, they've got the video board now. They've got the gimmick that they put over the ring. The Evolve shows do look a little better. But And look, and I'm sorry, I understand they had issues and they had to move across the street, but that venue that they usually run in Ybor City is a dump too. The, the Orpheum, what's it called, Rich? What, yeah, yeah, the Orpheum, I think. Whatever. Is, is the one That's a dump that, too. Yeah. They've been running that forever and it's a dump and it looks like shit on TV. Step up your game. It's embarrassing. Well, well to your point as well, and, that, and that's the thing is that, yes, you can have Evolve look good, but for, for, from Flow Slam's standpoint is if they're going to be charging 20 bucks a month and they're going to be doing all those things, you have to make sure that across the board, quality looks good, that it looks good, it works well, uh, there's no streaming issues because you're, you're, you're relying on, I mean, you're, you're telling people to pay 20 bucks a month. And it's on this little, you know, fuck around thing where, ah, yeah, whatever, indie looks like great. We're not talking about a, a, an indie uploading their own things to YouTube or whatever. Yeah, if you if you want to stay in your little market and do your little thing and, and upload them to YouTube, yeah, I get it. You don't, I think you'd do better if you put some production value in there, if you put some effort into it. But if you're like, hey, we don't have the money, we just want to show these matches, that's fine. Flow Sam is not that. I mean, we can say all they want about the hierarchy or whatever. 
from people's mind, you know, standpoint, everything on there, you're paying 20 bucks for everything on there. And one thing that looks like shit is bad. That reflects poorly upon everything. Then if it looks like garbage, especially when you compare it to OTT, which was on there a few weeks ago, that looked great. OTT looked fantastic. Like you said, Evolve is getting better. They're not quite there yet, but they're getting better. You look at a WXW, what they do, a RevPro, a Progress, yeah, WWE Network. I, you look at all why, of your competitors. Why am I, and look why at am I gonna pay twenty dollars for this shit after the why would someone like me who saw the gifts that we the Im, totally embarrassing gifts that we saw this weekend? Well, and the other thing too, uh, go, go ahead, I'll, I'll let you why would someone like me or someone else who saw that pay for that when for half the pro, I can get two of these other services for that amount of money. I can get New Japan World and Demand Progress. I can get RevPro's gimmick and 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 the progress gimmick. I can get New Japan World and 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 some and, and high spots or whatever the yeah. case may be. Why why would I pay twenty dollars for this garbage? It's embarrassing. And, and aesthetics matter. I mean, people can say all the time they want oh well the wrestling or whatever, and, and I'll get to that here in a sec. But aesthetics matter because WWE they have had they have nailed aesthetics since 1983, and and Vince McMahon to his credit understood. I don't want my stuff to look like that. I want it to look polished. I want it to look bright. I want it to look good. And, th- and that's one of the big reasons why he became what he was and why WWE is what it is is because they have always, sometimes to a fault maybe, been super particular about their aesthetics of what things look like, how things are lit, what the crowd looks like, what the ropes look like, what the ring looks like, what the entranceway looks like, what the wrestlers look like. It's important, and that is a huge reason. A huge reason why WWE is where they are and why they're the top wrestling company in the world is because aesthetics matter. They might not matter to you, you know, the the bubble wrestling fan or whatever, but to the casual fan, it matters. My casual friends that I talk about are not, if I show them that show, they're going to laugh and go, no, I'm not watching this. If they're in front of and, a fucking and it doesn't matter what, fake trees. Yeah, and I said, oh, no, the work is, in, and, and here's my other thing too. I always used to say, because I would always have them try to watch Ring of Honor because I'd always hear my friends go, ah, oh, I'm sick of WWE. This is like, you know, 2004, 2005. Ah, oh, I hate WWE. WWE sucks. And we go, okay, we'll watch this. You know, Ring of Honor is awesome. They have really good stuff. And they'd watch it and they go, yeah, it looks like shit. It's dark. You know, like for whatever reason, they just didn't have that attachment. It's the aesthetics. It's the bright lights. It's the fireworks. It's the music. WWE is great at that. They understand that. And that is important for that casual fan. They want to be hooked by the stories. They want to be hooked by the characters. They, they like in-ring. They still like in-ring. But that's you know not maybe the top thing for them. Look, then your we... in ring is not going to matter when your show looks like that because you're exactly you're, you're not going to you're not going to hook those people aren't even going right. to not going to have give you all a time... chance. Right, if you have all time great Ring of Honor stuff, the in ring, but Ring of Honor didn't really grow extensively in 2000. You know what I mean? Like when they were at the top of their powers, it was still just kind of this niche little thing. And that brings me to my second point is that even if you want to say, hey, look, you know the aesthetics suck. But God damn, we have great wrestling. We have great stories and great wrestling. And because that was ECW's thing. And people, I think, too often listen to that, like where Paul Heyman goes, yeah, well, our aesthetics sucked, but our stories were great or whatever, which is, is true. And he was able to do that. And he was able to make it kind of ignore the aesthetics. But they, they were able to do the aesthetics and make it work for what they were trying to do. They wanted crazy atmosphere. They wanted unpredictable atmosphere with a crazy, you know, you get in this sweat box and you just scream for three hours. That was what ECW was, and they were able to nail that. FIP is 20 people in front of a bunch of ferns, and the story sucked, and the in-ring sucked. Because if you read our review, Sean Cedor, who did it, who, who he watches tons of stuff, watches Ring of Honor, he's a very, very in tune with independent wrestling, said, you know, guys, and I, I, he said, oh, I'll do the show, and then afterwards said, yeah, I'm not doing FIP again, sorry. He watched that show and said, well, why, the first 45 minutes there was no wrestling. There was just a bunch of random character shit that nobody cared about. Then even the end, there wasn't much stuff that he liked. And I've heard this from a lot of people. I haven't heard a lot of people say, oh, that FIP show, man, it looked like shit because there was a bunch of plants in the background. But goddamn, was that a great show? Nobody said that. 
everybody, as you're saying, is laughing about the ferns and nobody mentions anything about the show. If you're going to have it not look aesthetically pleasing, you got to really fucking knock it. You have to either knock atmosphere out of the park or you got to make it the best in-ring Rich, product you've ever seen. I don't think you can get away with not being aesthetically pleasing anymore because there's too much competition. We just talked about it. WWE is going to have, what, six or seven full-time television shows at your disposal for half the price for $9.99. Okay? Look, look at – you know, I, I, I subscribe to Progress. Clean ring. Uh, uh, nice production values, major league looking talent with decent gear. Uh, good entryway, nice good entryway. Ent- that's important too. Yeah, professional that's- looking referees, which is another little thing. Uh, you know, it, it, it it's like you know, Rev Pro from that York Hall, gorgeous facility, major league as major league as an indie can look. Okay, the I don't think you can get past bad aesthetics because there's too much competition. Like you said, WXW, look how great those shows look. You can't you, – you're not going to be able to compete, especially when you're charging double. And they're big tr- – look, they haven't been able to secure any other uh, licenses here from any other promotions, so they just have Gabe creating promotions to fill up their airway to try to justify the $20 cost. It's not working. And if you keep shoveling people the shit that you shoveled them last weekend, which looks like low-effort garbage. Effort. I think that's the, the, the key word here that I wanted to really hit is effort. That's all it is. I, I mean, how, do, how do you... It's showing up to that venue and going, we got to make this look good. Yeah, how do you walk effort. into that venue and allow that? How do you not send someone to Home Depot to buy a fucking curtain? Right. Figure it it's, out. Two, two tripods, a rod, and a curtain can fix that entire issue. Figure it out. You should have something with your logo on it in case you run into a situation like that. And again, the venue they were forced out of isn't exactly the fucking Taj Mahal either. That's a dump that has looked like shit on iPay-Per-View for how many years now? That bar that they run in, Ebor, that or- Orpheum or whatever, that's a dump. I've just heard Ebor City in general is a dump. My buddy, uh, he, he's dating a girl that's from uh, Florida, and she goes, I, she said something about Ebor City. She said, oh, you, and I was like, oh, that's, and then, like, that's when she found out that I was a nerd, because I was like, oh, there's like a wrestling company that I know that runs there all the time. She goes, ew, why? And I went, I don't know, I've never been to Ebor City, so I don't know, but apparently it's, it's all a dump. I don't know anything about it, but yeah. I mean, at some point, Flo has to say to them, we're paying you a lot of money, okay? Let's be professionals here. Or we're not putting this on our airwaves. And we're not paying you for these shows. Because this is not the shit that we're paying for. But you know what? It is the shit they're They, they knew what they were buying into. Well, you know, you put some heat on them. You're paying them all this money. I put it on them. I really do put it on them. Well, there should, there should be standards in the beginning. When you, when you sign that contract, it's, it's got to look look this. We have to approve the back. I mean, this stuff like that. I mean, be, be a big boy company here. That's a big thing. I mean, do that. It's worth it, it for your company's standpoint, for their standpoint. Maybe they need a kick in the ass of somebody saying, no, 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 no. You can't have well, it. Well, that's what I said. I mean, I don't blame WWN yeah. if they're allowed to get away with it. No, if, hell no. If Why Flo is going to let them run any these low-level venues... Yeah, I'm not going to pay the What's... 40 bucks to get a curtain. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> if you don't it, care, it look, then it's I don't like, care. Look, I mean, I don't know. It's We're not talking, you know, we're not talking millions of dollars here to, to rent a better room. I mean, what are we talking? A couple hundred 